podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And of course, with us as always is a person who's going to say who they are momentarily. And I'm prepared to accept the consequences. Thank you, Beverly Crusher. We did it. (laughs) I'm prepared to accept the consequences of doing this autopsy while this man is still alive. That's good. Thank you, Beverly. Just to find out what's not killed him yet. That's right. It's time for everyone to find out if they should watch the episode, even though you're listening to a Star Trek podcast and you probably know the answer to this. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah, absolutely. There you have it, folks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can't get higher than that. It's like it's like a yes and an absolutely all in one. So what more do you want? Get out of here, people. Go watch it. Thanks. Indeed. Uh, Matt is... Uh, Did you like Just it? give you a heads up. Matt is operating on... How many, how many hours would you say? Four hours of sleep, but I've been up for... Uh, it was 17. four pre-2 a.m. I've been up for 18 hours. Right. He has a little cult that he caught from his son. My, my his son s- spread a virus to him. stupid fucking Petri dish child. Yeah. My wife's like, you know, I really hope... He's, he's fine. We'll take him to school tomorrow. I'm like, we're not going to take him to school tomorrow. Listen to this kid. And then minutes later, he puked all over me. He got you. I was like, you got you. You've been Henryed. Yeah, I was like, look, see these full size noodles on my shirt. Oh <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Need that detail. <laughs> oh boy, kids, huh? They're a lot of fun. Wouldn't know. <laughs> Completely alone over here. <laughs> well, that that does it, everybody. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Well, I thought the beginning yeah. was uh, uh-huh. good. Uh, but I feel like then I talked about um, the puke, and that was weird. You're right. That was I went off the rails a little bit there. <laughs> a little late on the the, the Beverly Crusher uh, sound, but uh, it was still fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, so, how many Andy's out of ten? Oh well, wait, who's the MVC? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's me <laughs> for your story. Yeah. Um, what are we doing? What's going on? Hang Where on. I just we? want you to know that I just got some fun. Um, uh, spam, which is good day. I'm currently looking to play personal assistant. This is part-time work you can do from home and get paid without affecting your current job. Due to the nature of my job as an engineer, I'm always traveling, especially outside the country. I need personal assistance to help me. Some of my business and personal needs while I'm away. I will cover expenses. And prepay, you get task done for me. <laughs> the job is flexible. So it can be done at any time. In addition to that, I don't mind doing all, you doing all the tasks during your spare time outside of work. When you get my mails packages, you are required to mail them to where I want them mailed. And you have permission to open the packages to reveal the content. The content of the packages will be business and personal mail. 
I'll provide you a clear set of instructions for each task I need done, as well as the funds to cover them. Your salary is $400 weekly. <laughs> to apply, kindly endeavor to fill all information below. Full name, home address. Kindly, I see. Kindly, That's what I was for. kindly include your apartment number if necessary. City, state, zip code, email, cell number, current job, age, gender, bank name only. I like that they don't. There's no. Um, they're not wasting time with a slow con. They're like just like for a long with the long yeah. con. They're just like ah, just just send just send out just, the blast. Yeah, just give it. If to we me. get one person yep. out of a billion, then yeah. we've you know made our made we're our done. nut. I know when I apply for a job, they always need to know what my bank name is. <laughs> so anyway, that was fun. I'm glad we all took the time to read that spam mail out loud. Thanks, everybody. If I was to hire a personal assistant, you should only pay $400 a week. If I was a con artist. Yes. And I was doing all my, my conning in another country. Yeah. I feel like it would be a good expenditure for me to hire a professional translator. Even if that was a little bit, you were outlaying a little bit more money first. I feel like it would pay dividends later. But then I feel like the professional translator would be like, you know this is why am I why, why, is why are you scanning you'd have these to find, people? yeah you'd have to find that translator that's a little bit dirty you're like uh, <laughs> all right you pointed out a flaw in my you really want to know their gender and bank name okay yeah okay well then let me go another step if uh-huh. you're gonna be a professional con man and you're gonna go to the trouble of sending out these giant blasts yes learn learn the language Take a class. Yeah. You're going to be able to use that at some point as a con artist. I mean, but as he said, he's an engineer. So, uh, so you know. That's true. I guess he's, he's got a lot of already. You know. Or, her, or she. They're or number they. people. Yeah. Anyway. My <laughs> mail will be Trek. business <laughs> and versatiles. <laughs> Andy, should we go to the Admirals Club? Why not? Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Admiral's Club, Admiral's Club, here we are, the Admiral's Club. Uh, that's the alternate theme mm-hmm. that you all love. Uh, Matt, how do they get into the Admiral's Club? Just leave us Just a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That could be from anywhere on the planet. If you're working, say, abroad and you need someone at home to be opening your business mails, um, you could still get into the Admiral's Club. Just leave a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Maybe and Andy will wanna... read yours out loud. <laughs> That's right. Would you like to hear some? Sure. Here are a couple. Uh, one is from Christopher C.G., um, who entitles their uh, their review, Where Have I Been All TNC's Life? Great question, Christopher. I can't believe you found us and love us, and now you're like, why wasn't I listening earlier? Well, let's see. Let's not rush into this. Yes, Christopher gave us a five out of five uh, review, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to say something negative. They might. Let's That's true. They're allowed to. Uh, Christopher says, uh, don't know how I missed this podcast, but I just found it and have been binging for weeks. I'm about to hit shades of gray and I'm terrified. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. He's in, the, he's in the Wayback Machine. He's in season two. <laughs> he is. There's a lot of people who have been doing that and have been writing in, and I can't. I, I love. I can never like, tell how many to include in the hails because I don't know if the the, it's, the it's current people will be annoyed. It's interesting to me. It's also, but it's also like, where are you? When are you going to hear this? Like, 
you know what I mean? Well, I think that's, I gotta say, that's, it's kind of cool, uh, or, or these people show a lot of foresight, because they're like, I'm going to plant a gift for myself in the future. Yeah, smart. So that I'm listening, and then suddenly, one day, I'll have forgotten all about writing this hail, and I'll, uh, it's pretty impressive. Anyway, Christopher says, uh, don't know how I missed podcast if I already read that. Uh, can't wait to hear my review posted in the Admirals Club when I get to season seven. I wonder if they're still playing Britney. We, we are not. We played it in a while. We haven't played that in a real long time. Although we... But we oh, only wait, play I'm thinking that. about we, Christina. We only we play have, that when uh, we have when we do something accidental. And obviously, Andy and I have been flawless for the last three years. That's <laughs> true. Well, here's a question, Matt. Yeah. Have we gotten worse over time? Uh, quite possibly. We definitely haven't gotten better. I mean, I, I certainly think we're less charming. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It's, you know, we're, we're older. We're more beaten yeah. down by life. What are you going to do? Um, TNC this is our next one. TNC, the great philosophers. Uh, this is from the mm-hmm. Wheat Doctor. For ages, perhaps even millennia, philosophers, scientists, politicians, and blue-collar workers alike have pondered one of the world's most challenging and tonic uh, philosophical questions. Mm-hmm. Tonic. I wonder if that's a misprint. Um, this question has been heavily debated in both harsh whispers. And with clamorous shouting, posit this. Posit the question: Do two people who don't know what they're doing know more or less than one person who doesn't know what they're doing? Well, I've long suspected the answer might be to the universe's hardest question. Uh, I've long suspected what the answer might be to the universe's hardest question. But Matt and Andy have answered it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Whereas one clueless person will only go so far out on a limb before before admitting his ineptitude and stopping completely, Matt and Andy proved that two clueless people do indeed know less than a single unaware individual. Despite years of podcasting, the two have no idea how podcasting works in general, let alone their own show. Mm-hmm. Despite this, the presence of two nescient podcasters actually reverberate the cluelessness rendering the suggestion of stopping the podcast altogether null and void even still it never gets old listening to the debate do the hails come first or the five-star reviews wait don't forget would you watch this episode either way this is a must listen for any trek or television fan so far we're so far we're nailing it this week we really are so and that was from Tech, who was apparently also. We could mess this up at any moment. I mean, sure. I, would people be disappointed if we didn't? <laughs> Probably. Probably not. Oh, I, see, I, see, I said the opposite. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes this podcast great. Right. So that's it for that. And uh, now we should enter the uh, the president circle. Just All uh, right. President circle. Here we come. <laughs> Well, the band is just loud this week. What are our best all-time jingles, I think? Um, Yes. All right. Here we go. Uh, The Christopher Pike Medal of Valor Awardees. Um, you, uh, Those you, are given uh, to people in the president's circle or the regular circle. <laughs> Just who, the president's uh, circle. Oh, you know, the regular president's circle. Who, oh, no, who, no, who? I'm wrong. You're right. The, any circle. Yes, it's the lieutenants or the president's Anyone circle. Anyone 
has a hail that particularly tickles a fancy of Andy's. Uh, might get a yeah. Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Sometimes we can award more than one in a week. Who knows? Andy, what's happening this week? Greg, the results are in. You are Mott the Barber. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Writes, uh, what would have moved this to an 11 out of 10 for Andy and me? Uh, this is a statement, not a question. Regarding parallels. Uh, is Ro Laren being on the bridge of the Bajoran ship? Oh, wait. We were supposed to. Oh, no. This is going to be after this? Is that what you wanted to do? Well, I feel like the Medal of Valor, we got to get that out of the way. Right. Okay. Uh, is Ro Laren being on the bridge of the Bajoran ship, maybe calling Riker by his first name, alluding to a personal relationship? That would have been fucking awesome. I wonder how much money it co- would have costed, probably a lot, to get. Uh, other people said Shelby. I don't know if they say it later in the hails that I have. And Yar. As always, a good alternate universe. Well, they didn't want to do Yar because they just done her. Did they win? Uh, they had, they had, you know, with Sela. How long? It feels like that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was reasonable? like they already did it, though. You know what I mean? Like we already brought her back. We did her for yeah, but you could have brought. You could have had this one be legit Yar, not not at Romulan Yar. Whoa, but legit Yar did not eaten by Armus. Well. I think, or whatever the hell he did, absorbed by arms. Knowing how television works, it would have been cost prohibitive. I assume that that's the reason. Although they, wait, who who did they want there? They wanted Yar, didn't they? And they put in uh, no, they, Wesley they instead. Put, they put Will in. Yeah, but they wanted somebody else. They had talked about doing Yar, but then they decided to put Will in because he hadn't right. gone. Which I thought was cool. That was very. Uh, that was. Cool I mean, it was fantastic. It was definitely cool because it was more unexpected and, yeah. uh, but uh, interesting. Anywho's Biff Yeager, uh, on the other hand, that would have been number one if Biff Yeager was in the captain's <laughs> right. chair. Oh boy! Uh, they, did you say the captain's chair? Yeah, <laughs> that would have been amazing. Finally, <laughs> I got I got the position that I deserve. See, warp seven. Engage! <laughs> I know what the engines can take. I used to be down there slugging it out. <laughs> Mac. <laughs> Mac. Um, our second Christopher Pike Medal of Valor goes to Mr. The Ultimate Trekker, who writes, uh, So in TNG, we've got Parallels, Voyager, Deadlock, and Disco, Terra Firma, all dealing in alternate realities. Spooky. Very. Again, these... You'll find that the similarities throughout the uh, Patreon, throughout the weird episodes from across the timeline that we watch, it, it's it's staggering across the universe. There's only it must mean there's only four different plots to a Star Trek episode. I don't even think <laughs> that's just regurgitated out in different. I ways. mean, there's certainly obviously there are you know repeat tropes, but the I I don't even think it's that. I think they've been like fucking on the head just you know like insane crossovers of like well watch one one week that's almost the exact kind of tone or plot or a big crisis that's not even like you know data trying to figure out he's human it's like crazy things right it's very strange and i don't know what the purpose of that synchronicity would be (laughs) in terms of other than us going weird Maybe it's just a reminder or in a simulation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the universe saying, meh, meh. When did simulation become 
like when did the all the all the fucking normies I'm really cursing a lot. When did all the normies suddenly appear on board with simulation? It I, it I, kind I, of struck it kind of caught me off guard that it's like I think it was popularized by the Matrix. But I feel like nobody really used it as a conceptual thing that they really understood until the the last few years when things got real I think, real real I weird. think once 2016 happened and the election happened I think people were right. really trying to cope with it any way they could and they go must right. this must be a simulation Is it I think that was I it. wonder what the study would be of how much in times of trouble people go to sci-fi because they can't handle the current reality and they can only deal with the the same themes in a future reality Well I don't think people seek out the same themes. Do you know what I mean? Right. I'm just trying to escape. Look, I'm not here to talk existentially on uh, being up for 18 hours on four hours of sleep. I'm still trying to open the topic, whether you're ready or not. Okay. Well, I think I figured out life. Hang on, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) He just needed his brain to be beaten up a little bit. Uh, anyway, that's it for the uh, Medal of Valors. That's it for the Medal of Valors, which means it's now time for our November. That's right. Which is the sequel to October. That's right. Or, or Mocktober. Or Mocktober. Whatever, whatever school of thought you're on. Oh, FYI, before we even get into it, Aaron N., the winner of the drawing with the terrifying number of 666 for her cursed Spock doll finally uh, responded. Let's see if I can find it. She's uh, stuck with the statue! Yeah. Oh, wow. I wrote it down and now it's gone. What are you going to do? Uh, but anyway, she was very nice and uh, and uh, and had been uh, here it is. Uh, she wrote back because uh, I brought her on Patreon and on email, and she wasn't responding. And we were wondering, like, was she like, I don't need the Chris Bockdell, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but she finally wrote back, "Hooray! This is equally exciting and confusing as I'm super behind the Patreon podcast, but I'll take the win. If it's not too late, please do pass me on my email. I want all the free stuff." <laughs> um, and uh, I'm not sure if she wants her full name, but it's Aaron Ann. And um, she, uh, and so I put her in touch with Talking Mustache, Mustache who had the the Spock doll. So they're going to work it out. And um, and uh, that's it. And now we're moving on to the second part. Now that we're out of November, yes, it's Rovember. What it's are you going to get in Rovember? Well, wait, play whatever. the jingle. There's a jingle. Where is I it? I told you three times. It's in the. Oh, there it it's is. In the drop. Roll, I didn't know roll, that's what it roll, was roll, in there. You know. Gently down the stream. Yeah. Thank you, Doctor McCoy. <laughs> Rovember. Roll, 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 roll. Gently down the stream. Gently down the stream. How did you do that? That was fantastic. How did I do that? By hitting two sounds at the same time, slightly Ooh, off cool. from each other. Uh, it's November. That means that one of our lucky patrons who joined in November, you could be at the president's circle, you could be at lieutenant's level, you could be at the Q continuum level, you're eligible to win what Andy has described to me as Ensign Row-themed nonsense. That's right. Now, I can't tell 
if I should just describe them, or if I, I feel like I'm going to send you the link so you can, you can. Uh, I mean, what is what are we what are we what are we talking here? What are we getting? What are? Whoa. Do you want me to say, or do you want to sort of see for yourself and describe what you're looking at? I mean, look. I'm sending you links in the chat. Andy has a saved uh, search for Rolair, obviously. One of the things available... Are all, so is the winner getting all of these things, Andy? I believe I'm just going to send them all of these things, okay, but you so can you can winner make your evaluation if you like. We'll be getting a very... from All the way from Burbank, California. We'll be getting an Ensign Row Skybox trading card. An Ensign Row graphic well, who's novel. Show, show the, tell them what's the, on the Skybox uh, trading card. Oh, I think that's a surprise. Let's just say it's, oh, from, no, the episode, I feel like it's this... from the episode Rascals. Oh, wait. Oh, you're right. You were saying we shouldn't announce it. Because I don't need people swooping in and bidding you up. Right. I've ruined this. No, you didn't, I'm because I'm continuing in my generic way. Here All we right. go. <laughs> Then Andy's got his eyes on some row figures. This is unbelievable. This is a row package, not the likes of which even Michelle Forbes has seen. Yeah. Uh, this is a curse to have to force someone a Bajoran nose, Andy. That's right. To say yeah. that out loud. And, I'm not uh, necessarily picking the things that I that that anyone would want. I'm picking the things that are. Uh, and then I don't know. I don't like keeps, no prizes. This is a generic. It's a generic uh, um, link. So I'm just getting. Oh, I see. Okay, so I'll just go for what you searched, <laughs> guys. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky enough, you'll also get. You also keep that hair out of your face when you're at the helm with an Ensign Row headband. <laughs> I think I couldn't find any one of those. I don't know what the hell. Oh, I'm you just searched for that. Uh, yeah, I did search for that as a thought, but I think oh. the nose came in instead of that. I can get you a headband, but it's not going <laughs> to. Re- it's in row specific. I would have to just go find three one. to five <laughs> Ensign row related items that will be going to somebody who joined the Patreon, and that uh, is going to be decided right now via a random number generator. So all you patroners who are out there currently waiting. With bated breath, uh, Andy, I'm going to have to... Let's see. I'll just bring this whole thing. And there's one last thing that we won't worry about now. Because the last one, I really do feel like someone... I don't know that anyone would buy it, but I can't imagine there would be that many of them. Uh, Okay. I'm going to go to a random number generator here. Uh, This is going to be between... So everyone gets a fair chance. All of our patrons are listed here. Well, that's not true. Not on this list, they aren't. Oi, I did a bad job, Andy. <laughs> well, it's, you know, that's our, our brand. <laughs> Hang on. Me and Matt were uh, talking on the uh, the Patreon about, uh, we had a delightful conversation in the last uh, Patreon episode about the Beatles and the new documentary. Uh-huh. And uh, I so think we both realized we are like the Beatles of podcasts terrible podcasting or maybe just the Beatles of terrible yeah I mean it's like you're watching us suddenly you're like how are they making a podcast that bad well that's that's just our gift okay everybody in some ways every episode of TNC is like unedited unedited documentary footage of us creating the podcast and you're like oh they're gonna just do a uh, you know a stripped down produced version of this later nope this is it 
So we're going to pick a random number between 2 and 872. Okay. Kay. And this okay. is going to be for one of our lucky patrons to be forced to have a, a, a plethora of Ensign Row memorabilia uh, thrust upon you by Andy Secunda. Uh, what did I say? I said it was 872. 872. All right. That's so right. I just I brought up the screen sharing with Andy so he can verify... Here we go. Are you ready, Andy? This is no funny business. He doesn't no try funny and make it himself whatsoever. or you know, do some kind of rig the contest. Nope. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. 101! Congratulations, number 101. You are now forced to have all this Ensign Row stuff. And that, of course, is Steve McDowell. Way to go, Steve. Cool, A lieutenant-level... And more bang for your buck than any other lieutenant right now, Steve McDowell. I'm sorry. I how, hope you like Eston Rowe. How long has he been a a a, a patron? Uh, looks like he's been a patron for a little months. while. I don't know if I can tell you off the top. Six months or something. Six like that. Uh, since uh, June. June. Nice. So hey, you've been with us for uh, half a year, and you're still sticking in there. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you so much. Um, December, hang in for December because, uh, and I, and you know, I'm gonna read. What was his name again? Sorry, Steve McDowell. Write it down so I don't forget. Uh, December's Dissenter Prize. A lot of people were, were bucking for. <laughs> it's not, a, not appropriate jingle, but it is the most joyous one. Yeah. November! <laughs> that was nightmarish. <laughs> uh, we're now in December. Uh, our theme is Dissenter Prize. A lot of That's people right. are pulling for uh, for uh, Jordy Sember, but uh, Matt Jordy has Sember an Enterprise. But Matt has an Enterprise. I don't know. Do you want to see? I don't care, man. Jordy Sember is pretty good. We're going to have to pick Jordy things. But then your your enterprise is just still sitting Stuck there. Stuck on my shelf, huh? With the broken dish. Or is it? I mean, that Matt has up to us signing as a as a present. Well, I don't know. We, it feels like Should we have them vote? Should we have the patrons oh, vote? You know what? I'll let the person who wins pick. Oh. Well, yeah, but then we're going to be calling it Jordy Sember and Jord and Disenterprise the whole time. Is that yeah, not awkward? I think it's fine. I guess it's again, <laughs> once again, our brand inelegant. I mean, I would call it. I would save Jordy for Jordy LeFebruary, but that's just me. <laughs> no, uh, wait, Jordy Jordy LeFebruary. Jordy LeFebruary. That is good. A, I think it rolls up the tongue a little bit better, but whatever. If you. Everybody out there thinks they're better at podcasting than us. You're probably right. We've had already people. We have a good Janeway area. I think that's pretty much a lock. And that then nice. a lot of people have been pushing for uh, Jonathan Marcher. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, well, Andy, uh, we should probably open up the Priority One Hail Bag here. Why not? Winners all around. Uh, don't forget, if you join the Patreon, you get yourself uh, priority access to the mailbag. Get your questions answered by us, the people who are sitting here. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Who All is right. first talking about Parallels? Wharf is uh, bouncing around, having vanilla cake, having chocolate cake, and uh, everyone enjoyed it. 
Um, first is from Pecan of Vulcan. Ah ha ha, Pecan Pie. We always talk about Pecan Pie. And he spells it P and then uh, and then an apostrophe and then con. Uh, anywho's, um, how did Andy, with his notorious face blindness, see that Data's eyes turned blue? And yet I, having seen this episode countless times over nearly 30 years, never did. Correct. I haven't seen it either. Andy saw it. I never saw that in my life. I'm so proud of myself. And I have no explanation for you other than possibly I don't have eye blindness, just face blindness. Um, very specific, specifically observant. Well, it could be that like you are face blind, but you always are looking at people's eyes. That's so I'm faces. so engrossed in people's eyes, you know, because that that I don't even look soul. at their faces. That's true. I'm only looking at their souls, really. Uh, Lieutenant Greg Nussen writes, truly one of my favorite episodes of TNG, but it also features the most hilarious recurring thing where a character knows something is wrong, and everyone is like. Okay, so you're insane? Even though this is the Enterprise and they're constantly going through temporal and spatial anomalies. Like, the first thing that should happen is, uh, quote, hey, so I don't think everything is right, unquote, and everyone should say, quote, oh, okay, let's investigate, unquote. Nope. Straight to sick bay, you weirdo. <laughs> well, I think that just means that, like, there's so much happening on the Enterprise constantly that people must always think they're reality is different but they go to sick bay and uh crusher says well here's a little forget me not and uh then they forget that they're in a different reality yeah i i, I will say it struck, problem. it struck me exactly the same it's just like this this is gonna be a no way you're insane <laughs> um lieutenant cam writes there's a wonderful convention moment I've seen where Dorn Burton and Spiner collapse into laughter at the scene where they're in sickbay talking to Ogawa. They were all almost unable to deliver their lines because of the absurdity of Data asking to speak to Jordy while he is literally lying there in front of him like a piece of meat on a slab. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, that must it's be insane. a hilariously close reveal that I never paid attention to. I think it struck us that way too it did or it definitely struck us weird that scene um and then cam also says anyway why do they need to have their rank insignia on their com badge and on their collar seems excessive which i think other people sort of thought too yeah Although but i, I think like what's cool about badges. it is like if you're casual around the enterprise and you have your com badge on your jacket or whatever yeah. ranks there so i mean he answered the question right there matt fix it good to go uh reese's peanut butter cups are the best halloween candy um writes best TNG Wharf episode? I think it may be. Can you name any better? Best TNG Wharf episode. Yeah. I don't I mean it definitely is a great one. There's a couple of Klingon ones that I would say might be close. But uh I mean Fistful of Data is certainly in the crapper. <laughs> I guess that is a. I guess that is a. Uh, what What's call the it? best Alexander episode? <laughs> uh, I don't I know. I think this one. It's definitely my favorite Worf episode. Uh, by far, this is the best one. Best episode. This is Ooh, the best the Alexander best episode because he's mentioned but not in it. One. Yeah, smart move. Yeah, they probably halfway through they were like, "This episode's so good." Now we should probably mention Alexander. Oh, let's just mention it. 
they solved the problem. <laughs> Eric Peebles writes, In my universe, TNC is hosted by a couple of writers named Michael Schur and Jordan Peele. Lakers head coach Andrew Secunda and President Myra are far too busy to talk about Star Trek. Lakers are not doing well in that universe. <laughs> Mike Schur is... What is he doing? He's there. He and Jordan Peele for some reason are hosting TNC. Uh, that is <laughs> real out of left weird, field uh, choices. A weird time. <laughs> Wonder if they're even Star Trek fans. Uh, Jordan Peele's got to be. Um, it's a comedy nerd. Michael C. Bazaruski, pecan fan art curator, writes. Uh, Regarding Worf and Troy, I know Andy thinks it's all well done, but he's in the minority. In the 50-year mission book uh, pair, everyone, writers, Dorn, Sirtis, are like, that was awful. Glad that went away. By the, oh, I'm surprised that Sirtis says that. By the time Worf goes to DS9, it's all abandoned with no reference to it. That's fascinating. Wow, that's a spoiler for you, Andy. I'm sorry. Well, which the fact that Worf goes to DS9 or that it's all abandoned? Both? <laughs> I mean, I guess in terms of spoilers, it doesn't bother me if someone says, writing-wise, they just ignored this in the future. Mm-hmm. Because then it's just sparing me disappointment. Um, it's only if they're dealing with they, it in they, some interesting will, way that I don't they, like it they, spoiled. They touch it, they touch they. It, they the TNG season seven, it's not. Right, they don't. They don't just drop it. Right. Okay, that's fine. Um. And then Ultimate Trekker adds, uh, "I had a girlfriend who was so angry with this because of the book Imzadi. Stop living mm-hmm. in memory beta, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I wonder what happens in Imzadi. There's got to be a lot of romance. I bet you Loxana is all over that." Lieutenant Royale. Imzadi. 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 I don't remember. Have you read that? I think that I did. How many Star Trek books, novels would you say you've read over time? Ten. Ten. That sounds respectable. Uh, Lieutenant Royale writes, uh, the fact that I had the thought while listening that, uh, quote, if men, at, if men at work and men without hats went on tour together, it might be an OSAH, OSHA violation and uh, it is technically relevant to this Star Trek podcast means I picked the right Star Trek podcast. <laughs> nice. Matt has uh, reminded me we're going to see Men at Work. <laughs> I maintain that that is not going to happen. But look, uh, We're there. 18th, baby. Orchestra, look at us. <laughs> um, <laughs> men at Work. <laughs> we come from the land down under. <laughs> Apparently Dory's coming too. We'll Who can it be that, now? Uh, Us. See if that happens. I don't know why Dory agreed to that. Um, Jerry Canavan writes, This one has some amazing bits. The Borg universe, Riker alone. But it edges uncomfortably into, quote, Nothing matters because there's a million adjacent universes where it happened differently, unquote, territory for me. I like my Star Trek as the good future humanity uh, gets to through enlightenment and species unification more than it being one arbitrary future out of 20 gazillion, none of which is really primary or special. I had beef with the Abram, uni- uh, Abram verse for mm-hmm. 
similar reason, had never really warmed to the mirror universe either, though I have additional objections there. Uh, multiple co-equal universes just open a door that destroys all possible stakes to anything if you think about it too much or take it too seriously. Also, them not throwing him a party in his home dimension is one of the grimmest endings in Trek, even if he's probably <laughs> happier that way. <laughs> An interesting take. That's funny. <laughs> even if he doesn't want one, it's just like, come on, give him a party. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? I I don't know. I love the mu- I love the handling of the multiverses so much in this episode. It didn't hit me that way. Although I understand, like in our recent Voyager episode, where they s- this is a spoiler for Voyager, so close your ears for a second. Uh, they swap out one Harry Kim for another Harry Kim, and it's like what? That's weird. Uh, that that bothers me more than this does because this is just like man, so there's other things going on in other universes. Even though that. Harry Kim only is differentiated from our Harry Kim by like a minute and a half of living. Yeah, it still bugs me. I know. I know. Um, Kieran O'Sullivan writes, I love that we get to see Captain Riker and he's not a loose cannon. In past episodes where Riker has become acting captain of the Enterprise, it's usually in moments where he's emotionally compromised and he's a bit of a wild card. This time he's calm and in command. It was a treat. Uh... What about when he says, I'll kick your Talshi RS? That's pretty, uh, he's an admiral by that point. My headcanon for why the Cardassians are uh, allied with the Federation is that in this new timeline, uh, it is during the events of the Wounded episode, uh, rather than Picard trying to peacefully withdraw the rogue Star- Starfleet ship, resulting in further destruction of Cardassian ships, Captain Riker shot down and destroyed the Federation ship to protect the Cardassians. He's already had to defeat one rogue captain when Picard was taken by the Borg, and generally Riker is quicker to fire than to sit down and reason with an enemy. Captain Riker even shoots and destroys another Captain Riker ship at the end of this episode. (laughs) How do you feel about that Cardassian theory? Uh, I mean... It's interesting to me. I feel fine about it. That's the kind of thing... I wonder if there's a memory bait on that. I feel like that, that fucking parallels you could do an endless series of of uh offshoot novels about what happened in the other like i was i want to see that the borg the borg taking over universe and see those last i was reading some fan theory that like they're gonna i'm not a spoiler because it's just a theory but with far from home or no way home they're just gonna kick tom holland to a completely different marvel universe <laughs> That would be insane. <laughs> I was like, that would right. be so crazy. I might be down for. It. I mean, look, the the if they were, in some ways, if you erase the blip, it might be to the benefit of the Marvel universe. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um. Although I have a feeling people would be like, "What? We're in a whole other universe. We have to learn different things now." Who knows? Andrew Gibson says, I would have stayed in the universe that didn't have an Alexander. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you got him. Ha. Ha. Um, secret hail. Why aren't more people secret hailing? You get twice as many hails. Right. <laughs> Andy, you really have to bring back that weird yawn theme song for Matt. <laughs> I mean, we keep your finger on the button in this episode. Just tired, Matt. 
Uh, Joe Moran, a.k.a. No Meds, Muscles, Ripley, Stalwarts, Neelix Defender, currently Drift in Space, says, Hey guys, in regards to the jingle you requested for a perfect 10 Andes episode, if you don't use the trumpet fanfare from Voyager, you've chosen poorly. <laughs> <laughs> the weird trumpet fanfare they added for the, was it Netflix or the the Amazon version? It was on the Netflix version, I think. Inexplicable. Uh, a picture of Madawine still holding a resume writes, uh, so in every reality, the Enterprise is doing something related to the Argus array. Why couldn't at least a couple realities have the Enterprise somewhere else in the Alpha Quadrant doing something more or less urgent? Like, does it help keep the main plot simple and streamlined? Well, I mean, there's, it's an infinite number of realities, right? So those are just yeah. some of the realities that we're seeing. Yeah. Could be two billion enterprises that are currently working on the Argus Array, and five hundred billion that are working on uh, something else. Star Why are Trek. the people that are flipping out about the, that are almost destroyed by the Borg? Why are they going to the Argus Array? Are they just chance they're there? It's a good question, Andy. Maybe, maybe Borg fighting has just gotten out that far. You know? Yeah, that's the only place that's safe. Yeah. That's it for the priority one messages. All right, so let's go to the regular time messages by leaving the president's circle. Here we go. Captain, incoming message. All right, regular uh, folks out there who don't need many more hours of us in the Patreon, what do you guys have to say? Uh, Our first hail is from Torquil Dewar. I'm getting close. Anybody mm-hmm. wants to give me a phonetic pronunciation, happy to use it. Um, and uh, Torquil says, Hi, Andy. Started listening to uh, listening a, a few weeks ago. I've been burning through episodes. I just got to Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2, uh, which were great. Two things. Thank you for representing the friends I want to have. Kind, intelligent, analytical nerd, and grumpy, uber-knowledgeable but willing to, in parentheses, sometimes, accept a new take from a fresh-eyed nerd nerd. Uh, <laughs> and thank you. I mean, I'll take for, the new take if it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, uh-uh. My take is correct. <laughs> it's true. That's, a, that's, that's, a, that's about the most accurate thing you've ever said about yourself. Uh, and thank you for both taking action on a song. This is really a, in the Wayback Machine. Uh, there used to be a word that was in our, um, I think the mvc song um which i don't need to repeat uh it's a it's a word that's okay in britain and not okay here and uh as a single parent of a teenage female i very much appreciate you taking this seriously i moved to the u.s from the uk in 2000 and was a daily frequent user of that word until i learned it is not used worldwide in that way in my (laughs) mind the spirit of trek is advancement and the importance of discovery uh, exploration and self-improvement the uh, both of you and the musician making this change while acknowledging the issue exemplifies this. Um, Turk will also says, I'm listening to episode 74 right now. I'm curious what's to come. Will you eventually break the three hour mark on an episode? Yes. How will COVID? A couple of yeah, times, actually. Yeah. COVID How, only this is without increased other our guests, time. also. Huh? COVID only increased our length of time, I think. Yes. That's all we were just doing was sitting and podcasting. How will COVID impact the podcast? That's the answer to that. Uh, will Andy get a girlfriend? No. Nope. Um, nope. Mostly because of COVID, so. I'll say. 
Let's hope that that's I think the if case. it wasn't COVID, Andy, you'd have a full run at this whole <laughs> girlfriend <laughs> thing. Remarried. Uh, will Matt watch BSG and then promptly apologize for ignoring it? No, not yet anyway. Still no. could happen. Uh, do, uh, do you think so? That'd be nice. That I could eventually watch Battlestar Galactica? It could happen. I'm not like... Not... Uh, never say never, as uh, Sean Connery once said. I would like you to do it on the podcast. <laughs> um, So that I can be your... I mean, I will never be... The, I will never be the to, to BSG what you are to track. But well, that's because there's, um, there's not enough of it. No. Well, also I'm not. I'm not that level. Well, not that level knowledge. of nerd. Yes, you are. I, I'm that level of nerd. I don't think my brain is the kind of nerd you just don't brain that's hold, like, This is the thing that's this, and this is the thing. You don't hold the details. information the way that I hold uh, pointless no. information. No, I just yeah. my brain is focused on what color is that person's eyes and nothing Apparently. else. Ooh, la, la. Um, and then uh, Turkle's last question is: uh, Has anyone gone for that seventeen hundred year on Patreon? No, they have not. Still, no takers. <laughs> a lot of people angling for like, hey, put it as a prize, put it as a thing, and it's like, no way, man. This is your insane thing. If anybody wants it, if there's any billionaire out there, who's the? Uh, I think Bezos is a big Star Trek fan. If Bezos, let him throw seventeen hundred at it. Jeffy, um, Jeffy, if you're out there. <laughs> We know you're listening. Come on, Jeff. Uh, if you're out there, take a, little, says, take a little more inspiration from the thing you love and do some good with that gajillions of dollars. Thanks so much, pal. Yeah, seriously. Stop sending William Shatner to space. <laughs> um, last thing Turkle says, and this is in regards to uh, you know not being able to write jingles because jingles you know might have already happened. I kind of want to write jingles for topics that I predict might happen. Andy's going on a date. Or we're not calling our firstborn that. It's already happened, Torquil. Or Patrick Stewart is on this episode. Oh, boy, that would be great. Or Sean Connery would have made uh, Star Trek V good by being a much better actor and insisting on a better script and a different director. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he would have made... I don't think he could have saved it. He definitely would have raised the gravitas of it. I think the guy who played Zybok was very good also. He was fine, yes. And I think... I mean, just even looking at Sean Connery in Highlander mm-hmm. and that uh, he's playing the Spanish character and showed up on day one and was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And they were like, all right, I guess we're just <laughs> letting him have his accent. I think that he picks and chooses what he's going to put the extra effort into. Um, thank you. It's just whatever makes Love sense it. to him, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Love you both. Please keep the podcast going forever. Well, so far, Dubar. you seem to be right. It is going forever. Did Sean Connery... Did he have a lot of script changes for James Bond? Or was he just sort of like, I'm in or I'm out, and that's it? Uh, He didn't like a lot of... Uh, like that big uh, Toshin book. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff in there about Goldfinger. He had a big a lot of problems with Goldfinger. And I all of his problems I completely agree with, but they didn't change anything. Hmm. That's. I think that's my favorite. Uh, watch it again. All right. I've decided that it's no longer your favorite. <laughs> really? Is it problem? <laughs> well, there is. The, it is uh, a little problematic in that. There sense is the problematic like, part with Pussy Galore for sure. Yeah, with but, the time, uh, you know. Uh, but beyond that, even it's like just 
you know, James Bond's like kind of behind the eight ball the whole movie. Yeah. And really in charge of what he's doing. I guess that's fair. Although, well, uh, all right, I'll have to see it again. This isn't James Bondy, guys. Come on, get off my case. All right, we have a voice hell. Okie dokie. That should be listed. Here we go. Season seven writing question. Yes, here we go. Are you ready? Hey, Matt. Hey, Andy. This is Floyd Harris out of North Carolina. Um, I'm catching up on some episodes. I'm just in the middle of Force of Nature right now, and I'm really enjoying the kind of inside uh, baseball talk about creating the script because it did seem like a hot mess to me, too. But it led me to think about a more bigger question that I thought you guys might be able to get some insight into, being in the biz and everything. Um, you know, so the seventh season is the last season, and they know this. And so, like, are the writers kind of distracted? Are they, like, looking for new jobs? Uh, you know, I've changed jobs myself a couple times past five years, and, you know, that's a full-time job in and of itself looking for work. So, like, are the are the new scripts coming out for season seven not as good because... Like, these guys are, like, reading spec scripts and, you know, oh, my God, there's this great cartoon coming out from Disney in October of 1994 called Gargoyles. And I think a lot of us Star Trek guys would really be into this. You know, <laughs> that, is, is this what's causing the Rosa masks, force of nature? Uh, so in your experience, you know, when you're on a show and you kind of know it's ending, uh, like, is this kind of sometimes the mentality of a writer's room? Uh, thanks for everything you do. Thanks for the podcast. And I'm looking forward to Deep Space Nine. It's the best track. Live long and prosper. Thank you for the voice, Hale. Uh, it's an interesting question. I don't think that it really has much to do with the... Burnout. Yeah. I, I mean, guess burnout is the biggest thing usually in the last season, both story-wise and... Yeah, they're sort of out of stories for sure. They feel, they feel like they're out of stories. Right. Um, and ultimately, there's nothing that's like keeping them from mailing it in. You know what I mean? I think that's, and I, you know what? Going along with that, I agree with that. And I think going along with that, I don't feel like the looking for another job is the the issue. But I do think by that point, most people have a hand in developing other things. So that might be a little bit of distraction in season seven that they're and off also developing like, their own other projects. Their uh, two best writers at the time were, are busy. I mean, yes. Ron well, that's the other thing. Spinoff like, world. No, they're busy yeah. with, with writing oh. Generations. They wrote Generations. Oh, oh yeah, the movies. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah. Which is like, there's like a, I don't know, a week between yeah. The end of season seven of the start of production on Generations, I think. Interesting. That's kind of nice. Yeah, but so, like, it doesn't feel like they have anything to work for. You know what I mean? Like, it's an in- yeah. I, I wonder what the mindset was on the staff. It's probably a lot of bitterness that people weren't involved. In the movie? I don't know. If you're a writer and then suddenly it's like, well, these two writers get to go off and write the movie. Well, everybody got to pitch something. I see. I think. And did someone who wasn't necessarily the top level get picked to write it? What do you mean? Who who ended up as the credited writers? Rick, uh, Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore. <laughs> okay. I, was, I almost said Rick Berman, but no. <laughs> Just out of habit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Parallels. Yes. Captain Wharf, question mark, from Mike S. Um... 
in the scene with uh, all the Enterprises, do you think that there was one okay. where Picard and Riker died, one with a Captain Worf? What kind of hijinks do you think that ship would get up to? What about a ship that lost its Worf? How would they react to a Worf suddenly showing up? You know what? I'd like a whole series where each episode follows a different Worf on a different Enterprise. Thanks for the laughs, Mike from Boston and Detroit. I don't uh, hate that. I don't either. Like I was saying, the just like write the write the novels about each of the things. That would have been a cool way to do what if on Marvel too, if like one person was consistent. Oh yeah, going from reacting. To I each guess one. basically doing sliders in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot they did that. Um, I had forgotten that the way they ended Quantum Leap was putting up a black title card that said Dr. Sam Beckett never made it home. I don't know that. Yeah, because they were canceled and didn't have time to write a finale. What the fuck? So, so like cursing a, again. That's how they ended it? What a slap in the face. So they just were like, well, fine. Okay, then you're not going to let us wrap this up with like a TV movie or something? Then here, this is what it is now. He never got home. That feels like that's punishing the audience for the to the dickishness of the network. Yeah, I agree. That's not fair. It's also very funny to me that that's what they decided to do. It'd be even funnier if it was just a series of cards of, you know, <laughs> this is how it played out. And it's just like a short story that's like <laughs> on the last cards of the show. But if Sam we got Beckett another never season. made it home. What a grim... Grim ending. I know. And how old did he get leaping? You know what I mean? Is he still leaping? That's like hell. It is like hell. Anyway. Wow. That's the most upsetting thing I've ever heard TV-wise. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break it to you. I thought you had known. Poor Sam Beckett. (laughs) Really ruined everything. Sam, you're never going to get home, Sam. Ziggy says the writers don't know how you get home. <laughs> Ziggy said the network really screwed us over on this, Sam. Ziggy says all they needed was a 90-minute movie. Oh, boy. I'm in hell. <laughs> um, is he ever in hell in an episode? Probably not. Um, all right. Although I, I'm sure I'm sure he was a pre... Oh, they do that. the other ones that are kind of the demon versions of them, right? That's like theoretically Satan is running the other... The other program. What? Welcome to our Quantum Leap Corner. Oh, oh the, they oh, sort the of, arrival guy. I know that in one episode, uh-huh. there's a debate. And I don't know if Sam is the man of science and is just like, this is insane. But it seems like um, Dean Stockwell, is somebody was advancing, is God in charge of the... Or is it something in the future that they're discussing? Is God in charge of this project? Because it's so... The whatever the probabilities are so outlandish that that's their only conclusion. I don't they can remember come this. I seem to remember this being kicked around, and then when they have the evil lady, that's this is sort of the reverse the 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 mirror image, the mirror universe version of Sam. Um, that uh, and I think it's a an evil version of Dean Stockwell lady too. Um. um that, that it's sort of implied that they're like, you know, I don't know if the Satan thing comes up. It feels like it did, though. Anyway, the whole thing is crackers. That the, What you just told me is blowing my mind. Sorry, bud. 
Is there anything else I can do here? What else is happening on the show? A thought on parallels from David Sidhu. Um, hey guys, this is sort of a nitpick that doesn't really bother me, uh, but it is just fun to bring up. I imagine that in parallels, every wharf was switching places at random. I mean, every time we see our main wharf shift, that means every wharf in every reality is just shifted to a new reality as well. Is that how you read it too? If that's the case, it's weird that whenever Worf enters a new reality, crew acts like Worf has been normal up till that point when they should have experienced Worf's coming and going already. I don't really have a point. Just came to mind while listening to the episode. Thought it ended it. Uh, maybe that to hear is Andy an interesting read way this. to look at it. Oh, in his best Canadian accent. Oh, it's too know. late, eh? Yeah, it's too late. I didn't know about that. Uh, love the hey, podcast, you guys Dave. think there's uh, the other wharfs are over there? Uh, also, a all confused and stuff, or you think they're <laughs> over at Tim Hortons? How come we never saw one with a toque? Eh? How come there ain't no like you know guys out there that are just you know out there hitting the rink? You know? <laughs> how come? How come? <laughs> do, you think, do you think Wharf's pretty good at hockey? Eh? It's fantastic to just have him jumping from, from universe to universe, and they're just all weird, silly <laughs> versions of. <laughs> um, let's see. Aggressive Bajorans from Michael Samet. Hi, Matt and Andy. Just on the train listening to your discussion about why the Bajorans have become aggressive in the parallel universe. My theory is that since they overthrew the Cardassians about. Without the Federation's help, they were pissed at the Federation for not helping them because aggressive hmm. and because became aggressive because uh, once they became powerful. Can't wait until you guys get to DS9 and you can discuss the Bajorians and Cardassians in more detail. And he's pronounced Samet as S-A-M-E-T. So I assume I'm doing it right. <laughs> All right. I'm not a doctor. I'm a doctor, not an escalator from Anthony Wiper. Hey, Andy and Matt, your question whether or not Starfleet would still have escalators. They absolutely did. In the opening scenes of the motion picture, Kirk and his Vulcan science officer ride one in Starfleet headquarters. P.S. Nice. I might, might I suggest including episode names in our monthly wordplay after November? We could go with December me season oh, four. Oh, it's like remember me. Yeah, yeah. So that would be Crusher themed then, huh? Yeah, for the Crusher episode. Cheers, Tony. Hmm. Tony, we're taking under advisement. Uh, that's it for the hails. If you'd like to send a hail to us, you can either get uh, priority access, where we'll pay attention to your hails first, um, by joining the patron, Patreon, um, or you can send it for free to stt.com. TNCpod at gmail.com. That once again is STTNCpod at gmail.com. Wait, did you wake uh, up at 2 o'clock and I woke up at a normal time? No, this is my regular fully breasted brain. <laughs> uh, or you can send a tweet to, or an Instagram to <laughs> at Matt Myra. You can send an Instagram to me at, at Andrew Secunda. Andy. Or tweet me at Secunda. Yeah. Is that, is, and, that, is that shirt photo, is it just the shining photo with no nothing altered just the shining photo correct that's what i'm wearing i would love it if someone made you a shining photo where every person was andy <laughs> <laughs> if someone went in and photoshopped photo head onto everybody in that shining <laughs> banquet not even photo. just in place of uh jack nope. huh? just everybody's uh, just andy, every except jack nicholson 
It's a lot of work. <laughs> Everybody's Andy except Jack Nicholson. Well, if you are OCD and have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> Maybe it's the holidays and you have Photoshop open and your family's downstairs. Um, and uh, if you'd like to send a voicemail to us, please do it. 816-TREK-TNC. That's it uh, for the hail bag. Close it up. Uh, here we go. All right, everybody. It's time for the next episode. Where did I put that? Where did I put it? Where did I Where put did that? He put? Where did he put it? Where did I put that? Where did he put that, that new sound thing? Where did it go? I don't remember where I put it. Where did it go? I better find it soon. Where did it go? I'm really wasting time here singing a song about where I put a song file. Do a little John Lennon whistling added. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here we go. We crossed many doors to many places Your hands made us think of all your faces So plug TNC in your little board node Let's talk about this week's episode This week's episode, Andy, is the Pegasus uh, This aired January 10th, uh, 1994 What happened? Number one uh, song in the U.S. Hero by our old friend Mariah Carey Wow Uh... This is different. This is a new Mariah Carey song making the top number one, by the way. Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, number one song. What a range okay. from the queen of pop. She kind of is, isn't she? Yeah. She's got, um, I think she holds like quite a few records. I wonder where she must rank right up there. Uh, number one song in the UK, Twist and Shout by... Chakademus and Pliers. Who can forget Chakademus and Pliers? Sure. My favorite. Uh, favorite. <laughs> number one movie, Ms. Doubtfire. Number one book, Slow Waltz and Cedar Bend by Robert James Waller. Number one TV show that week, Monday Night Football. Uh, Death That Week, Harry Nilsson. Events wow. Russia and the United States agree to stop aiming nuclear weapons at each other. <laughs> Interesting. That's an odd way to frame it. We're going to keep it, but you know, we're going to point it over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're both playing in Iceland for some reason. Uh, Queen Elizabeth breaks her wrist after falling from a horse. Classic horse who, riding. Who can forget that? You know, it's interesting that we... Uh, it's Mariah Carey again, because someone sent. Did you have you ever heard the Mariah Carey? Um, I really hope oh, you're like Christmas it. song. She wrote a Christmas song, Matt. Did you know that? Have you ever heard the Mariah Carey Trek parody Christmas song? No. Do you not want to? I mean, I don't know. Well, I sent you the link. You can. Someone sent it to us in the Patreon. You can. Play it later, not play it. I don't care. You're really loose here. Oh, wait. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is what I meant to send you. Isn't it, though? Wait, all right, what are you playing? Oh, right now is Hero, because that was the number one song January oh, yeah. 10th, 1994. This is... Oh, there you go. I don't 
want a lot of Christmas. There is just one thing that I need. <laughs> I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. <laughs> I just want to boldly go more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Captain Log. It's almost Christmas, and there is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I don't want to hang my stocking there above the fireplace. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Incredible amount of effort. It's so much uh, effort. I love it. Um, That's so funny. Wait, what else do we have to do now? Oh, it's so obvious what we have to do. Oh, yes. Well, right. Yeah. Hang on. Is it okay. time for Frank Sinatra come on? Before you do this, let me let me read you this, and you can decide what you want to play. Because I have another another fucking crazy uh, uh, thing to uh, to send you. All right. We're um, where is that? It's here. Okay. Here's the link. You don't have to play it yet. Um, but uh, this is from also from uh, Bezaruski. In Frank Sinatra Come On, there was talk about a Moon album, and it made me remember this, an album trilogy, including a future album with a 10-minute song about flying through space. <laughs> this is a Sinatra song that is 10 minutes long where it goes through all the planets, and I it's literally the most bonkers thing I've ever heard in my life. We don't have time for the whole thing, but... I like to sit outside Jesus. on a summer night with a drink in my hand and a little moonlit music on the stereo. All right, that's a minute and forty. Skip, so skip four, to later. Four minutes in. Whoa, it's very Star Trekky in parts. Hmm, let's get to the lyrics parts. Only instrumental parts. Here we go. Venus, <laughs> it will surely be spring. Mercury <laughs> will lead us out to Neptune and his team. I can't. Well, wow. It's just... The whole thing is bonkers, and it's like 10 minutes long. So it sure is. Frank Sinatra, come on. Peruse da, 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 da. that at some point. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> for Frank Sinatra, come on. Andy, what was Find going on with the chairman of the board? 
Well, it's January, and we've made it to 1994, the last year of Frank's public concert touring. Some of the tidbits from here on in get a little depressing. Frank is finding it increasingly difficult to remember his lyrics and his scripted banter on stage. Uh, But today's broadcast date of January 10th is a happy memory in Frank's life. Fifty years earlier, his wife Nancy gave birth to Frank Jr. Admittedly, Frank was 3,000 miles away doing a radio broadcast in Hollywood. Frank Jr. will conduct the orchestra in most of the concerts for his dad throughout 1994. I didn't know that. All right. That's a sneeze. All right. I, was, I, was, I hit the sneeze button. I was Im- impressed. Let's try this again here. Matt's a little sick. You'll have to excuse him. I mean, you don't have to excuse him, but it'd be very uh, un- un- uh, ungenerous of you not I'd to. I'd appreciate it if you would, you jerks. <laughs> anyway. All right. We're an hour eight in. Of course we are. Of course we are. It's just what happens, you know? Just we just talk so much about Star Trek. We're a couple of blind. We, 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 I'm not sure. We talk. We talk a certain amount about Star Trek. Guys, <laughs> so it's the Pegasus. An overstatement. Written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by Levar Burton. I'm going to just read from Memory Alpha. It says when Riker's first commanding officer comes aboard to aid the search of the vessel they served on, he is forced to rethink the actions he took at the time. Here we go. It starts with Captain Picard Day. I don't see why we have to do this every year. I thought that last year the teachers had agreed that they wouldn't do this anymore. Captain Picard Day is one of the children's favorite school activities. They look forward to it all year. Why does it have to be me? Because you're the captain and they look up to you. You're a role model for them. They seem to have a somewhat exaggerated impression of me. I don't know. I think the resemblance is rather striking. Wouldn't you agree, number one? Isn't there something else you have to do? I'll be on the bridge. Pretty good. uh, I guess he's got, he had seven seasons to uh, perfect it, but it's a pretty good impression. He's he's throwing, and Frakes is throwing out there. What is this Picard Day all about? The finalists will be here in half an hour. You have to pick a first, second, and third place, and four. Like, story wise. Why is it in there? Why are we doing it? It's a really good question. I, I wonder if it's. I wonder if at this point it's just standard for them to write things short and then just be like, "Nah, all right, just come up with a fucking thing." Because um, we had so many episodes where the teaser is just like, "What's going on? <laughs> what is this?" Or are they just having fun and they're like just doing off-topic, you know, weird story things. I can tell you this. The entries for Captain Picard Day were sourced from two local elementary schools and the children of the prop master, Alan Sims. Oh, that's nice. That's I, nice. I will say the uh, the banner is could not look more like adults trying to write like children as opposed to children writing it. Oh, of course. It's but almost like a child's font. It, it also looks a, different in from... My, in Word. Um, it looks different than the one they had in card oh really they wouldn't have oh well that's that's I mean, just, just, a, just a little bit and not 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 that yeah but even so that's such a because the image is so burned in i mean i know it is because i've there there's 
It's funny seeing this so late in the series because it's so memed. Mm. Warp like, to I was very familiar with this. From Admiral Blackwell. It is coded priority one. Put it through, Mr. Wolf. Excuse me, Counselor. Get out. Yes. According to IBM. According to IMDB, more came up with Captain Picard Day to make use of Jonathan Frakes' impression of Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Wait, they reverse engineered from the impression? Yes. That's dumb. Captain, what is your status? We are conducting energy output studies of the Macoria Quasar. All systems normal. The ship is fully operational. Good. I'm postponing the Quasar study for the moment. I feel like he gets these messages often. And we'll just check it in. Hey. So what's, uh, what's going on? <laughs> um, you know, we're mapping well, a new uh, quadrant. Uh, my tactical officer last week was jumping from parallel universe to parallel universe. Uh, <laughs> it was very strange. We were preparing the Argus array, of course. Uh, the week before that, you know, we had those people who didn't like us going so fast. <laughs> Otherwise, we're good. There's a. The Enterprise I guess we'll get to it. There's a. I was interested. I think maybe even in this in this message that when she gives him the mission, she's just like, so you can ignore the the warp Wanda speed limitations. Starship Crazy yeah. Horse in sector one six zero seven immediately. You're authorized to exceed warp speed limitations for the duration of this assignment. That's what she's referring to, right? Yes. What is our assignment? I'd prefer not to discuss it over subspace channels. Or ever tell you what it is. Someone from Starfleet Intelligence. He'll brief you when he arrives. Very well. Captain Picard Day. Oh, uh, yes. I demand uh, that the children it's, it's do for this. The children. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm a role model. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Starfleet out. <laughs> Real cold. I mean, cold beanie about why? it. Why? Why is she so mean about it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he is a role model, all right, Admiral? Yeah. What is this? Just like, like you deserve that. I should be. It should be an Admiral Blackwell Day. So who won the contest? Oh, uh, Paul Menegay, a seven-year-old. He did a most interesting clay sculpture of my head. Was that the orange one with the lumpy skin? Yes. <laughs> Oh, you'll be interested to know that I've arranged for a Commander Riker Day next month. I'm even considering making an entry myself. Great. <laughs> Energize. Aye, sir. I like that, that discussion between them. Will! I'll bet you never thought you'd see it's me locked. again. It's good to see you. Admiral Badman? Yeah, sure it is. You look like you're about to faint. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, it's been a long time, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Admiral, You're responsible Eric for President. the deaths of most of my friends President, on my yes, first uh, ship. You were so, Will's you first know. commanding officer on the uh, the Pegasus. That's right. As a, a matter of fact, the Pegasus is the reason I'm here, sir. She's still out there, Will, and the Romulans have found her. <gasps> the ship we don't know anything about yet. Um, uh, yes. Go ahead. You, no, you please. Have, you. I, have, I have lots of things. I'm curious as to what your things are. Okay. Thing number one. Um, so the warp speed limitations. Yeah. A lot of people were debating. I don't know if we were debating. The I know I I felt I felt I felt certain 
that they were not saying in that episode, this is just this part of space. This is everywhere in space. Yeah. Now, clearly they don't really respect that later because of things like this, where it's just like, just ignore the warp speed limitations mm-hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that, to me, is clarity, that it was ev- all of known yeah. space and yeah. not just that area of space. Mm-hmm. That's A. B, um, uh, this guy is in intelligence. So is that section 31? Uh, it didn't exist at this point, but retroactively, maybe. Oh, it didn't exist. When did it start existing? Uh, it, it was introduced on DSpace 9. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so it's just intelligence in general. And I guess it's... I, guess it adds up that there would be an admiral that would also be an intelligence but somehow it feels odd although i guess bond was a what lieutenant what was he was it? a commander commander so yeah i guess so um m was an admiral that's true all right i guess it adds up completely then <laughs> yes if you're equating star trek to mi6 then yes absolutely <laughs> As you know, the starship Pegasus was lost in this sector some 12 years ago, along with most of her crew. I was her captain, and Commander Riker here was my helmsman. I remember hearing about it. The ship was destroyed by a warp core breach, as I recall. The captain and I, along with seven others, managed to make it to the escape pod before the breach became critical. From space, we observed what appeared to be a matter-antimatter explosion which vaporized the ship. No wreckage was found, so Starfleet officially declared the ship destroyed. However, all that changed three days ago. Um, Frakes, not Frakes, Riker is very bad at keeping his cards close to his chest. He really is. (laughs) He's making all kinds of motions and faces. He sent us a message that a Romulan warbird had located a piece of debris in the Devlin system, which was positively identified as being from the Pegasus. The warbird was then ordered to locate the rest of the ship, if possible, and retrieve it. What would the Romans want with pieces of a 12-year-old starship? The Pegasus was a prototype. Experimental engine, new weapon systems. In fact, some of our designs were used in constructing the Enterprise. There are a lot of things on board the Romulans would love to get their hands on. What are our orders? To find the ship before the Romulans do. Salvage it if possible, destroy it if necessary. You command the Enterprise while I remain in command of the overall mission. We'll need metallurgical and chromographic specs on the Pegasus in order to set up the proper search parameters. I'll make the appropriate information available to you. Very well. Lay the course for the Devlin system. Aye, sir. Um, I'm curious yeah. to what you thought about this. Which aspect? Terry O'Quinn coming in, Riker being uncomfortable by it. Usually when, like, someone meets their old captain, it's much warmer than that, you know? Is it? I feel like it's a mixed bag. There's people on, that they've had stuff with in the past, sort of. Sometimes no, it's positive, no. sometimes it's weird. I feel the other way, but okay. So that didn't, you, you that might didn't be right. rub you. That didn't rub you? Okay. No, yes. Anything rub you? Uh, I think the thing that was interesting was... 
and I guess they do a good job of sort of playing it vague, is he clearly something's going on, but he also has conversations with them that do seem warm and normal. So it kind of goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's appropriate because in his head, it's kind of like, All right, I don't know if I was necessarily that wrong, uh, you know, to stand by the captain. It feels like that must have been. At the end, he says, I've had, what is it, 11? 12 years? years. 12 years to think about it. But that implies that he's already made his decision. And I feel like at the beginning of this episode, it's presented that he's definitely ambivalent about it, but that he has certain, he still respects Pressman to a small degree, to a certain degree. So, well, I mean, his hope is right. You know, which I think it's stated nicely in the show is that he they they don't find it or that it's been destroyed. Right, that's fair. I.e., his hope is that this fucking cloaking device that they know we all know is uh, no bueno. Yeah, but also a pretty dope weapon. So it's um, yeah. what what would you say the concept is of Starfleet knew about it only Starfleet intelligence knew about it I, I think it was Starfleet intelligence yeah it wasn't anything on the books right because they can't right. and the Starfleet higher ups I guess at the top level knew about it but not not necessarily uh huh but I think everybody in intelligence knew about it because it's an interesting. I mean, maybe we're like get that, into it. Maybe that Robbie the lady knew about it. You know, the Robbie the lady in charge of Starfleet security. <laughs> she probably knew about it. <laughs> I guess it's just a, it's an interesting question of when when Picard takes such a hard line that this breaks the treaty. That it's kind of like you're right on a moral basis, but haven't the Starfleet higher ups above you already okayed this? So aren't you? you know going against the the chain of command to uh i mean not even just pressman but above pressman like it's not pressman's not out here as a rogue like starfleet command has approved this this action right because they want to get the cloaking device back uh well it's unclear right is starfleet like doing it as like okay this is a salvage operation you got to destroy this thing or whatever. And like Pressman's the one who really wants to get it back. I mean, that's unclear. Well, I think this is, if if I have issues with this episode, this is the area that I have the issues with, which is, I feel like it's somewhat muddy. They bring up a lot of interesting themes, but it's kind of like, it's this hard line between Picard and Pressman. And I'm not sure what the specifics of the argument are. Like, I'm not sure what Starfleet knows about, what they're approving and not approving. Well, it doesn't matter, because, like, you know, he's going... Picard's acting on behalf of the Federation here, not just Starfleet. Like, the Federation I mean, that's an signed the treaty. That's an interesting uh, dichotomy right there, like, that I'm, I wonder how often we deal with in Star Trek is sort of like, you're a Starfleet officer, it's your duty to obey you know the orders of your superiors but i also have an obligation to the federation yeah. and this is no bueno in I terms mean, the, of the federation. prime directive isn't like a starfleet rule it's a federation rule oh interesting i never processed that before 
Wow. Yeah. Well, then that would, I mean, that's pretty heavily factors into everything Starfleet does. What about the so um, the first duty? Really is the first the, the first the duty truth, is a Starfleet? Yes. yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> okay. It's the truth. So. It's the truth. It's still the truth. <laughs> but I mean, that's a Starfleet. The first duty of a Starfleet officer, not a Federation, right. not a member of the right, Federation. Right, right, gotcha. right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's okay. true. Okay. And in this system, Captain, that and the amount of sheer rock is going to slow down our search a little. How slow? I'd say at least. Sir, Romulan Warbird deep cloaking directly ahead. They are powering weapons. Shields up. Red alert. Prepare phasers. Sir, they are hailing us. On screen. I am Commander Cyril of the Romulan vessel Terex. To whom do I have the honor of speaking? I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Captain Picard, I've heard so much about you. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. I hope our sudden appearance didn't startle you. <laughs> Not at all. But your unannounced appearance might have unfortunate consequences. It would be an awful shame if your ship were damaged due to some misunderstanding. I am touched by your concern for my ship. Hands down, Romulan's the winner of the uh, Universal Passive Aggressive Award, right? No, no more passive aggressive species. Than the I Romulans. really like I like the Romulans how they're portrayed in TNG. Like especially yeah, I do too. especially him, and I like and I really like Tomalock as well. Um, Tomalock like, is also fantastic. And da- is that David Warner? No, that's not David Warner. That's no, I like the gamesmanship. It's fantastic. Of, it's of, it's yeah. It's sort of different than the Cardassians, right? The Cardassians are more very, aggro. Yeah, very different. This was uh, Michael Mack, who I was certain I had a claim to fame with. And I think it's just such a fantastic performance that uh, that um, uh, I, you know, I didn't. I mean, I've seen him definitely in a million things. He was in he was in a, a part in The Wire briefly, but uh, but it was nothing that was like, oh, he's that guy. And he is great in this. Uh, absolutely. May I ask what you are doing in this system? I might ask you the same question. <laughs> we are conducting a survey of gaseous anomalies. How interesting. So are we. <laughs> Perhaps we could combine our efforts and share our findings. I doubt our objectives are compatible. Perhaps you're right. This has been a most pleasant conversation, but we must return to our research. Perhaps I'll... Have you to dinner? Unless something would stop you from Sir, coming to they're dinner. They're moving off, resuming their tachyon scans of the system. Stand down, red alert. But keep tracking their movement, Lieutenant. Aye, sir. Commander, how long will it take us to search this system? At least seven days, sir. And the Romulans have a two day head start. And let's get to it, Mr. Data. Initiating sensor sweep this of We'll need to be one. five days faster. So how long have you had that beard? Oh, before we get to this, do you have any thoughts on the other ship that we see at the beginning? The other Starfleet ship? The Excelsior class ship? Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even get to that. So, wow, the Excelsior has hung around a long time. Or is well, that a different these Excelsior? These things have an 80-year uh, operational life, or 100 years. And the Excelsior just drops him off, right? Yep. Or is the Excelsior... Okay, great. Crazy Horse says, how do you do? Here's your Admiral Badman. Thank you for taking him off our hands. 
Heads up, it's kind of a bad one. Oh, it's Crazy Horse. It's not Excelsior. Or it's Excelsior it's Class. It's Crazy Horse, Excelsior Class ship, yes. Gotcha. I got tired of hearing how young I looked. What was it that uh, Lieutenant Boylan used to call you? Ensign Babyface. <laughs> yeah. uh, you never did have much of a sense of humor. <laughs> I like to think that I've lightened up a little in my old age. Really? I've been known to tell a joke or two. Well, it's about time. You were always so serious on the Pegasus. That's a, that, that tracks. We went through some serious times. Yeah. For Riker. A, because in Farpoint, he's much more straight ahead, kind of like barking at people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and also you can imagine, you can extrapolate backwards that, uh, you know, Riker at the beginning would have been like, I gotta, I gotta be the best. I gotta make sure I'm doing everything the captain says. I'm doing. It all this, the episode really makes sense. Good job, Star Trek. Do you really think we're going to find <laughs> you did it. You did it, Star Trek. I wouldn't have come all the way out here if I didn't. What about the experiment? You think we're going to find that too? Maybe. No, I think a lot about what happened. Especially on that last day. So do I. It's not the kind of thing you just forget. Do you ever wonder if we did the right thing? Never. What happened was a tragedy, yes, but it wasn't your fault and it wasn't mine. What we were doing was for the good of the Federation, and we can't blame ourselves if the others couldn't see that. I know, but maybe we went about it the wrong way. Well, this time we may have a chance to do it the right way. If this mission is successful, if we find the Pegasus and the experiment, we can finish what we started 12 years ago. I did notice that they say it's 12 not- years ago so many times. Yeah. Like, for some reason, it's just, it's repeated, I think, four or five times in the scene. Just me, Will. The chief of Starfleet Security has personally given me her assurance of complete support. Admiral Rayner? How many other people know about this? Not many, and it's up to us to make sure it stays that way. Rayner has given me written orders for you. You'll find them coded in the Enterprise computer. You've been instructed not to reveal the true nature of our mission to anyone else. Not even Captain Picard. Oh, what about Data? No. What about oh, Crusher? No. What about like uh, Troy? Uh, maybe. What's that? Is that just this guy being a control freak? What? Why wouldn't you tell Picard? Tell Picard what? I mean, I understand dramatically why you would tell Picard what the actual mission is, but... Because Why? P- what is Picard Starfleet? Will, they're violating the. They're violating the. Oh, I see treaty. The treaty. So they don't that shit. Right. Treaty for Algernon. <laughs> yeah, that's when the Federation got real smart, and then started getting dumb again. <laughs> <laughs> Made me so upset that book. <laughs> As a matter of fact, <laughs> it's because I, I feel like that's me. <laughs> reported on board at Farpoint Station. Is this his quarters? It seems even bigger. Maybe it's just because it's a wide shot. It's his quarters. I was looking through the records of about 50 candidates, and Will's was very much like all the others, filled with lots of dry statistics and glowing letters of recommendation that tell you nothing. 
Look for a young Matt Myra. Look at another file, yeah. and then <laughs> something caught my eye. There was an incident on Altair 3 when Will was first officer of the Hood. He refused to let Captain DeSoto beam down during a crisis. He disobeyed a direct order, and he risked a general court martial because he Is thought you he mentioned? was right. Sorry, it's a cough drop, everybody. And when I read that, <laughs> okay. I knew that I had found my number one. You wanted someone with a history of disobedience. I wanted someone who would stand up to me. Someone who was more concerned with the safety of the ship and accomplishing the mission than with how it might look on his record. To me, that's one of the marks of a good officer. Also, Frankly, the, also the truth. It was more important for an officer to trust his <laughs> captain's judgment. It's not the first. The crisis, there's no time for explanations. Orders have to be obeyed without question, or lives may be lost. I'm aware of that, Admiral. Of course you are. Terry quit so good. I guess this mission has brought up some old ghosts for me. That episode you with the ghosts. You know what it's like to lose a ship? You're always wondering if there's something else you should have done. Something you missed. Like a cloaking Admiral, device. Whoops. I mean, uh, uh, like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, croaking device have you ever heard <laughs> of this that? i don't uh, know i don't no, know no no it's a it's it it was a thing that allowed me to like when my i had a pet frog and it escaped and i would uh, use the uh, croaking device to get well, the frog it would lure the frog back in. yes well that makes more sense but not you know because they croak a lot though no um, i got it i better go thanks for the tea <laughs> God, this is the first thing that's not tea this guy just finished drinking with Riker. He goes in, he's hanging out. This guy's an alcoholic. That's yeah, Andy's theory for this guy. Synth Hall. Yeah. I think I think here it's not Synth Hall, but in 10 Forward it was. Right. A bit vague from the moment just before you abandoned ship. Is there anything that you can add to the official account? I'm afraid not. <laughs> well, see you later, asshole. I can tell you this. <laughs> Twelve years ago, I needed an officer that I could count on in a crisis. Someone who would support and obey my decisions without question. Someone who was willing to trust my judgment. And that someone was Will Riker. Without his loyalty, none of us would have survived. The ones that survived. None um, of the seven of us. I find this so interesting. I think this is such an interesting topic, particularly when what we've seen of Will... That he has such problems with other authority figures, kind of pushing with him around with and other people him breaking up rank. For himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with other people breaking rank and with him breaking rank to people like Jellico, it's mm-hmm. just so fascinating to see it in this context. That like he has this. It's just really great late season extrapolation about a character that explains behavior that we've seen before and it kind of even explains some of the inconsistency that he fucking you know mm-hmm. he drops the hammer on people below him and he gives shit to people above him and that Picard likes him because he specifically wanted someone who would stand up for what they believe is right even at the cost of rank it's just great how do you feel about it FYI in this conversation Picard is taken what I would argue is the Secunda perspective. And uh, and this outsider has taken the Matt perspective. 
<laughs> this this admiral admiral schmo. No, 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 no. I He's think saying that, you uh, do what you do what you're ordered, and that's that. Look, it's against our fleet regulation for the captain to beam down an away mission. So guess who's right? Will Riker. Wrong. I think I busted a rib. Excuse me. What were you doing? Uh, I needed to show everyone on the walk here my chest. I should have blocked. Got me right in the side. Oh, it's a good thing we're using the sticks instead of the real blades. It's broken, all right. Give him 10 cc's of terrakine for the pain. I can't I'm going to do an autopsy on you just to be safe. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm not dead. Ah! <laughs> Damn it, Beverly! <laughs> Captain Picard to the bridge. Take us to within 10 kilometers of asteroid gamma 601. It's kind of a cool side trip of just seeing George her heal him up. There's a... Sorry, what did you say? It's just a nice side trip of like, you know, it's it's not story germane other than him being distracted I don't think but uh, I just love the you know seeing him her her fix the bones how is that happening by the way that that device can make the bones you know snap back together and less bony I mean I you know it's one of those things a, a dermal like a, it's not a dermal regenerator but like a but it wasn't just the derms it was the derms me. it wasn't just this the the outer layer it's like he said he busted a rib mm-hmm. and somehow that whatever snapped it back into place how did it do that magic <laughs> oh well there you go thank you subspace resonance signature coming from that asteroid could be the warp core of the pegasus I think he's right. I recognize some of the variance patterns. Put the asteroid on the main view screen. You can have at home Terry Quinn is in sci-fi. The resonance signature is originating from somewhere beneath the asteroid's surface. Pillar wanted to bring back Pressman for Deep Space Nine, but it never never happened. Huh, I wonder why. Beneath this- I wonder why it didn't happen. It, for, like, the Cisco part? No, for, like, Pressman again. Oh, yeah, for 100%. Surface. How is that possible? Like, if he was just, like... You know, court martial dropped in rank down to captain. That would have been cool. Yeah, for sure. The asteroid contains several deep chasms, large enough for a starship to enter. It is possible the Pegasus drifted into the asteroid's gravitational field and was pulled down into one of the fissures. Sir, the Romulan warbird has altered course once again. They are heading toward our position. They probably want to see what we're so interested in over here. Mr. Data. How long will it take to determine the location of the Pegasus? At least another six hours, sir. That's too long. If the Romulans start searching the asteroid, they could find the ship before we do. I recommend we destroy the asteroid. It would take most of our photon torpedoes, but it would preclude any possibility. Imagine that if they just unloaded 50 torpedoes at this thing. <laughs> that would look suspicious. <laughs> the Pegasus falling into Romulan hands. Our top priority is to salvage the We ship just hate asteroids. Consider destroying it only as a last resort. Yes, sir. Captain, could you give me a third alternative? Mr. Data, would it be possible to saturate the asteroid with Verteron particles that would mask the resonance signature and prevent the Romulans from detecting it? In order for the deception to succeed, it would have to appear to be a natural phenomenon. Verteron particles are artificial in nature. Wait a minute. We can blanket the asteroid with high levels of ionizing radiation. There's so much of it in the system already, Romulans won't know the difference. 
Mr. Data. Theoretically, sir, it should work. I mean, it was kind of my idea, everybody, but uh, <laughs> a little bit different. A little different, but definitely my idea first. <laughs> definitely, definitely in the running for MVC. Let's not forget that. <laughs> Let's note that in my log. The asteroid, but haven't found anything. Lay in a course for the next search grid. Stand by to engage. If it works, then I wonder if uh, somebody had to have a conversation with Troy about uh, Admiral Pressman's going to be. This on the is so you can't, this episode uh, you can't is sorely missing Troy. I think very light, Troy light. I don't think she's in it. I even feel like there is a conference room scene that is very empty where it's just a couple of them. Well, and I'm like, huh, I wonder why they didn't bring the rest of the people in there. These three and uh, LaForge. Yeah. Hmm. If it doesn't. If it doesn't work, we'll have handed them the Pegasus. Ionization pulse complete. Helm, one quarter impulse. Engage. I love the, the, Rom- the Romulan ship in the background. I love the Romulan move at the end to just fucking <laughs> close them in the fucking torpedo. It's really great. What a great other Romulan captain. Yeah. Uh, come, I don't think he comes back, but the really, I like that there's no other English on the character other than, yeah, he's just your classic duplicitous maneuvering kind of clever uh, Romulan. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no other agenda. Like, that's sort of what it was missing. That's sort of the, what was missing from the portrayal of the Romulans in Picard. Right. Uh, everyone, which aspect? Everyone was playing it so arch. Right. That it, that it was just like uh, it, it should have. It's just this understated kind of you know. Yes. Yeah. They also don't seem. Mr. Data. I mean, I guess they always have like nine levels of chess that they're playing in Picard but they don't seem clever like the the plans that they have oh, seem like what what are you doing uh, <laughs> why <laughs> your search pattern accordingly aye sir Admiral would you care to yeah, join this me this is his only episode that's unfortunate Please excuse me captain but I think I'd better turn in early I also wonder why Michael Mack didn't have more of a career. I mean, he's you know he's been a working oh, actor for a long time scan analysis to my quarters when you're off watch aye sir Really Initiate good. search of grid 163. Beginning sensor sweeps. Commander, I want to see you in the captain's ready room. Mr. Data, you have the bridge. Aye, sir. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to go check on spot. Mr. Ward, have... you have the bridge. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm going to go play with my paint sticks. All right. It's in gates. <laughs> um... I uh, They have done that shot before where someone said, I want to talk to you. In the captain's, uh, what is it called? Captain's ready room. Ready room. Um, and they then then push in on Data going, whoa, what's going on? Awkward. <laughs> I always wonder if it's like, is that Data's programming of like, a human would react this would really like raise their eyebrows at this one. or <laughs> It's so strange because he's not doing it to anybody but himself. <laughs> Listen to this. Background actress Jocelyn Robinson, as Ensign Gates, gets to utter an uncredited reply to Picard in this episode. The line was written for Data. But Brent Spiner and the rest of the cast pointed out that the helm and not the ops officer should carry out the course plotted order. That is something I thought about. And as a matter of fact, later in the episode, 
they do have a moment, I think, when Worf, when he, when, uh, um, when Picard gives the navigation to Worf instead of Gates. And I thought, why didn't they give a new Gates? By the way, Gates is another unsung helm officer. I wonder if this is subtle racism. Because it was... um, Jordy drove the ship for the first season. Oh, interesting. I was saying that there's the Ensign Rager thing where she saves the ship in that weird thing where they're getting out of the the fake planet and by flipping the thing that you were impressed by. Uh, And that's never made a big deal of. And in this, Ensign Gates... Yeah. In this, Ensign Gates navigates through the middle of a fucking asteroid. (laughs) And it's just like, all right, Ensign Gates, do it. It's like nobody's uh, nobody's making a big deal out of it. It's really impressive. I feel like he can't make a big deal out of it. You know? I yeah, all right, fine. Uh, you're you're the helmsman on the Federation flagship. You should be good at. It. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe it's just I'm saying on the in the on the on the uh, it, within the fandom. You know, you never hear about Gates or Rager. That's because they only gave them like Rager. two lines. Rager got abducted by those aliens. Yeah. That's so true. That, she that had a, cool. she had her moment in the sun. That's fair. Pegasus. Before we've even taken a look at it, I thought it was more important that the Romulans. Well, you were wrong. It's great. We have a chance here to change the balance of power in this quadrant, but we can't very well do that if we destroy the Pegasus. Now, can we? No, sir. I would have been like, we also can't do that if we violate the treaty. Again. It hasn't been easy for you, I'm sure, keeping your captain and friends in the dark like this. I haven't enjoyed it. If that's what you mean hope you understand that it's necessary i understand that you think it's necessary you have changed changed my beard we so talked about this and I for four years about. to be honest i'm glad to see this kind of change in you will state your opinion and stand by it It's a far cry from the young man who used to sit at my helm and worry about pressing the wrong button. A lot of things can change in 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. How long was it again? Turns out it was uh, six years times two. Changes the right things in his life. Not his sense of duty. Not his sense of loyalty. I'd like to think that I haven't changed those things, sir. I would like to think that, too. Because those things say more about a man than the rank on his collar or the uniform he wears. They define him. Such a nice piece of acting. Twelve years ago, a lot of older and more how, how long ago? officers turned away from their duty. <laughs> but you stood up for what was when? right. When? When are you talking about? Was this uh, five years ago? No, I'm no. sorry, Will. Twelve. Will, are you listening? Twelve years ago. I know the kind of man <laughs> you are. I know that I can count on you again. So is he just... Is this just gamesmanship on Pressman's part? Like when he's like, when Will comes at him, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to approach this a different way." And then he sort of shifts to, "Yeah, okay, I kind of admire you for standing up for yourself and I then think going so. and yeah, do stuff I about think, duty and honor." It's so. great. It's really great. And just, oh man, what a what a great performance! It just shows when you bring a heavy hitter in. I like Picard here. Just like you know. He smells something, ain't right? For and sure. He digs in. Yeah. Into mutiny aboard USS Pegasus. 
Based on testimony from Captain Pressman and other surviving officers, the judge advocate believes there is sufficient evidence to conclude that certain members of the crew did mutiny against the captain just prior to the destruction of the Pegasus. Mutiny? On a Federation starship? That's that's shocking. It's it's unthinkable. Well, have you ever heard of uh, Yet you've never the Discovery, it. sir? I was that's wondering if that would come up. <laughs> it, it wasn't easy to get this report. I had to pull in quite a few favors at Starfleet just to get a look at it. I made Boothby find it. over there. See what? Boothby got it for me. <laughs> so, not only was the Pegasus like a daffodil, <laughs> you have to let it, you have to squash it out before it grows. Not only was Thanks, there a Boothby. mysterious explosion which seemed to destroy the ship, but didn't. But it seems that there was a mutiny on board. Now, I've read the official report of the inquiry on that mutiny, but I want to know your version of what happened. I was on the bridge. The ship was at yellow alert. We were running some tests on the engines. Something went wrong. There was an explosion in engineering. Heavy casualties. In the midst of this crisis, the first officer, the chief of engineering, and most of the bridge crew mutinied against Captain Pressman. Why? They thought he was jeopardizing the ship. And you? I was seven months out of the academy, my head still ringing with words like duty and honor. And the truth. <laughs> when they turned on him... That one first, obviously. I thought they were a bunch of self-serving, disloyal officers, so I grabbed a phaser... And I defended my captain. How was it self-serving? Two or three others joined us, but it was clear by Look, then. He was seven months out of the academy. Who knows? The mutineers had most of the crew behind them. We felt a need to get off the ship. There was a running firefight all the way to the escape pod. It's crazy. About five minutes after we left the ship. Crazy. There was an explosion. I would love to see that in a flashback. The judge advocate also believes that the surviving officers are deliberately withholding vital information from this inquiry. Further investigation is recommended. Will, there was no further investigation. This report was classified and then it was quietly buried. Why? Sir, may I suggest you take this up with Admiral? I'm taking this up with you, Will! The judge advocate thought that you were participating in a conspiracy to cover up the truth. That's the number one thing. <laughs> well, no, that. Why did that mutiny happen? Why is Pressman so determined to find your ship 12 years later? How many years? I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I'm under direct orders from Admiral Pressman not to discuss this, sir. I oh, see. Well. Pulling rank on me, eh? <laughs> He's an admiral. I'm a captain. I cannot force you to disobey his orders. Therefore, I will have to remain in the dark on this mission. And I will just have to trust that you will not let Pressman put this ship at unnecessary risk. And if I find that that trust has been misplaced, then I will have to reevaluate the command structure of this ship. Dismissed. Okay. Yeah. 
first. The I think truth. the truth first is number one. The first, the first duty is definitely to the truth. That we all understand that. Uh, first, I think Picard's being totally unfair to Will. Like he said everything he could say. He's under orders. If you really think that there's something at risk here, go above his head and hash it out with Pressman. What are you putting it on Will? That if the if the if the ship is in danger, it's on your head. That's not fair. Mm. Well, you know, I think or I'm they're, bust there's, you down and rank. It's just, I think there's something to also be said for their friendship they've developed over the seven years of captain and first officer. Uh huh. Um, and you know, to Picard right now digging into this thing he did not know about. Uh-huh. He's he's finding it hard to believe that Will Riker was involved in this. Is that right, Bo? That Bo agrees. Bo uh, said. Bo, I think Bo just said the truth when he barked. <laughs> but is he saying he's? What are you saying? He's mad that he was even involved. Uh, he's mad that he is not being told any more information from his first officer, and he's mad about whatever. Whatever's happening here, yeah, isn't sitting well with Picard. I mean, yeah, but Picard's it's not... instincts are telling him that something is wrong here. Of course, but he, I just and don't if think something it's fair. is truly wrong here. Then yeah. he should rely on Will to make sure that the same fate doesn't befall the Enterprise. Yeah, but he's not presenting it in that way. He's presenting it as like, and if anything bad happens to the Enterprise, it's on you, and I'm going to bust you down in rank. No, which if isn't you put fair. Us it's like if you think it's that serious, you work it out with Pressman. You're the you're above Will. Mm, I no, I just think I think he's uh, you know, he's like, hey, look, dickbag, you better. Yeah. He's making it like well, like Riker's made these decisions. They came above Riker. Risk. And if I find that that trust has been misplaced, then I will have to reevaluate the command structure of this ship. Dismissed. So cold. It's like, what is he going to do? It's appropriate. <laughs> is it appropriate? It is. I think it's just like, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you got to be tough on your friends, Andy. Especially when the safety of the rest of your friends is at risk. He has a path, which is to confront Pressman. But he knows that's not going to work. It's not fair, even though he knows it's not going to work, to lay it on Riker when Riker has said, I am under orders. I don't... Obviously, Riker doesn't agree with him. And he's putting it on him, even if no, it was I like... I think he's reinforcing... I just want you knows. to... If he said it in a more Picardian way, where it was kind of like, well, I just want to make clear, Riker, Will, that this is your responsibility now. And that is basically what he's saying. No, but he's saying no, it no, in no, this no, dicky no. way he's where it's saying, like, if you fuck this like, up... No, he's saying if you allow this lunatic who was mutinied against to do something like this here with the Enterprise, then shit's gonna have to change it's, it's real harsh in my opinion and, and a little bit unfair and I still also maintain that he should just confront either Pressman or Starfleet itself 
Well, I mean, he sort of does at the end here. Yeah. At the end of the episode, Riker's like, I mean, yeah, but that's Picard, after Picard's like, okay, this is what's going on. Well, fucking, yeah, but that's you after go to the brig, you go to the brig, and then I'm gonna deal with Starfleet. Yeah, afterwards. But he doesn't know what is happening right now. You know what I mean? Right, right. now, he's just up against a couple of brick walls. People who aren't giving him information, and yeah. right now, he's out there with the Enterprise and a Romulan warbird. I guess all I'm saying is having been friends with Riker and trusting him as his number one for so long, the tone shouldn't be if you screw this up, I'm demoting you. It should be, Will, our safety is at stake and I am in the dark. It so you're holding these cards. He said, well, I'm going to reconsider the, the hierarchy on the ship. The command structure, yeah. So Data will be his first officer and Picard will probably, uh, Riker will get to stay a commander, do some ops stuff. Come on, that's a demotion. He's not number you. one. He ain't number one. Number fun. It's all about being He's num- number always one. number fun. I'm demoting you to number fun. I'm taking away Commander Riker Day. Captain, <laughs> Starfleet places the highest priority on the success of this mission. Your request for a delay is denied. Margaret, something's very wrong here. Do you know what's going on? I know that the Chief of Starfleet Intelligence herself is watching this one, Jean-Luc. So you'd be well advised to follow Pressman's orders and leave it at that. Starfleet Stop out. Stop wasting time with Captain Picard, Dave. Warp to Captain Picard. We are approaching asteroid Gamma 601, sir. On my he way. does go to her immediately the next uh, scene, so that's good writing, but I still think it's unfair that he's coming at Riker. Mr. Wolf, where are the Romulans? They're out of sensor range on the far side of the system. Sensor. Take us to within 15 kilometers of the asteroid and hold that position. Fire, sir. I'm sure you don't want to Mr. say Data. that to Ensign Gates? I mean, For the past several right. hours, I have been scanning the area where we detected the resonance signature of the Pegasus. From the strength and polarity of the signature, it would appear that most of the warp core is still intact. If we're lucky, the entire engineering section could be down there. But how do we get to it? I wouldn't want to try to transport through that much solid rock. Agreed. What about a shuttle? We could send it down through one of those fissures. I would recommend against it, sir. There may be gravimetric or magnetic fluctuations inside the asteroid, which would overpower the engines of a shuttlecraft. Sounds like the best solution is to take the Enterprise in. You need a real crackerjack into the asteroid to get us in there. That's right. Put this fissure on the main viewer. So good. He definitely should have been something. This chasm is large enough for us to maneuver in. Besides, if we ever hope to salvage the Pegasus, we're going to need a starship to do it. Mr. Data? It is theoretically possible, sir. But I am unaware of any prior situations where a starship was taken so deeply inside a planetary body. There may be unforeseen difficulties. A Corellian freighter, yes. I've made my decision. (laughs) Prepare to take the Enterprise in. I know one that did the Kessel run in one of those things. That's an order. Mr. Data, will you please note in the ship's log that this action is being taken over my explosive objection? It is so noted, sir. Also, remember earlier when it was my idea, the other thing that was good? <laughs> Yellow alert. Remember when the MVCs come around? Do you know that? Ensign <laughs> Gates, plot a course into the chasm. Maneuvering thrusters only. Course plotted, sir. Take us in. One! <laughs>
fun. That's a cool one. It's in there with all those running lights on. I will Let me ask you this, Matthew. Mm-hmm. I think I already have an opinion that's contrary to what I'm about to say anyway. So much stuff is done with Helm. You got people are always talking to the helmsmen. Um, how would you have felt at the beginning when they were creating the characters to have made, say, Troy the helmsman? At the She'd always be in the action. Well, the beginning, the whole idea was to let it be uh, Jordy because he was blind, right. and you know that in the future that doesn't mean anything. The blind guy can fly the ship, right? Um, and then with Biff Yeager's letter writing campaign failing, <laughs> oh, Biff, it's a couple. It's a couple of levels of things that happened, right? So they got rid of him, put Jordy as the chief engineer, and yeah. then we had Wesley, who was our helmsman, and Wesley was our helmsman through season three. He was in right. full ensign, beginning right. of season four, still there. Yeah, and then we get rid of him when he goes to Starfleet Academy, uh-huh. and then they bring in Roe for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, it's just been like, it's like that ma- musical chair, like filling that spot on the Enterprise. Yeah. They just never were able to do it. I wonder why they didn't hang on to, um, I can't remember name, Lacey. Hang on to Roe? No, no. Uh, Ensign Rager. I don't know. I don't know. She was good. And they put the, they had the whole episode that they focused on her. They'd be focused on her as the strong. Admiral, well, if this passage narrows to less than 500 meters, Ariel Rager. You can charge me with its subordination if you wish, but I'm not going to risk the Enterprise for a salvage operation. Captain, I'm reading a large resonance signature directly at... What'd you think of that, Andy? Sorry, is the resonance signature? No, of Riker, of, of Picard going, look, if this thing narrows, I'm taking the Enterprise out, and you can charge me with insubordination. Yeah, that's, I, I dig that. I mean... It's Picard doing what fucking Riker refuses to do. Hey, how do you feel about that, pal? Putting that's, his rank on the that's, line. That's someone breaking the command structure, breaking the, uh, the, the orders that are given to him. the safety of the ship. He is uh-huh. in command of the Enterprise. Not uh-huh. the overall mission, just the Enterprise. And he is doing his best to make sure the Enterprise stays intact. And so if you feel like, I got to get down to that, that planet and do my research on the Borg before we face the Borg as fast as possible, I got to take data with me, do you think that's... Uh, well, that's silly. Just just pick up a fucking communicator badge. Oh, it's uh-huh. already on you. Just hit the button and, and tell Yeah, me. but it was, say, it's just, you just want to get get there early and get going. And say, say there's somebody who's messing with the, who's messing with the shifts just on your me. ship, and you're like, look, this me. is how we do it. We have this shift and then this shift, and then there's a guy coming in screwing up all the shifts. You know I don't You know, care in this critical in situation. You know I'm on Team Jellicoe. <laughs> Go ahead. Saying you got a lot of mixed messages here. You're saying it's okay to it's okay to break orders as long as uh, you believe that that the uh, the person's right. Well, that's what my point is the whole time. What the hell happened? Sensors show the ship is still intact. However, sixty five percent of it is contained within the asteroid. It looks as if half the ship materialized inside solid rock. Yes, sir. I do not understand how this could have happened. Well, Data, we had a cloaking device. I mean, um, croaking device. I still don't understand this croaking device. <laughs> the starboard bulkhead of main engineering is contained within the rock face. 
most of its compartment is still intact. There is a hull breach in that section. If we begin a power transfer, can we restore life support systems to that compartment? I believe so, sir. The breach can be temporarily sealed by extending our shields. See to it. Once you've restored life support, Commander Riker and I will beam directly into engineering. I also feel like Terry O'Quinn's the only person who's been making that Admiral outfit look good. I agree. Usually it looks a little I, bit I, weird. I, I did think that, weirdly. I was like, yeah, yeah he looks good in that. <laughs> that guy knows how to wear an Admiral suit. Uniform. I think they could have spent, uh, you know, another another few hours on the, this prop. It's still intact. Oh, I remember it in the uh, the Enterprise incident. Yeah, it's like uh, two well? cones and a ball. Don't you understand? We yeah. found it. I know. I kept hoping it wouldn't be here. That it had been destroyed. That it was buried in that rock back there. What the hell is that supposed to mean? It means that I can't put this off any longer. Right up to this moment, I had the luxury of time. But now I've got to make a choice. And Admiral, I'm afraid my choice is this. I can't let you start these experiments again. It was wrong 12 years ago, and it is wrong How today. long ago? You had better reconsider that position, Commander. We have a mission to accomplish, and you're going to carry it out. That's all you care about? Starting these damn experiments again. Look around. This room is filled with dead bodies. These people died because of this thing. Good, good specific acting by those people, by the way. To yourself. I knew most of these people a lot longer than you did. Yes, it was tragic, but it was their fault. You don't know that. Neither of us knows what happened after we left. Well, it's not hard to guess. They tried to shut down an experiment they didn't understand. Something went wrong and it killed them. No. We killed them. Now, that doesn't sound like the same man who grabbed a phaser and defended his captain 12 years ago. How long ago? I've had 12 years to think How about How long? It. <laughs> and if I had it to do over again, that's the number. I the phaser and point. That is my number one problem with the episode's dialogue. <laughs> too much, too much 12 years ago. You instead oh, 12 of years ago. 12 years so ago. Why? I'd rather be a traitor than a hero. I wasn't a hero, and neither were you. What you did was wrong, and I was wrong to support you, but I was too young and too stupid to realize it. You were the captain, I was the ensign. I was just following orders. And if you hadn't, you'd be dead right now, along with all the rest of them. Dead because you listened to a bunch of mutinous cowards who were too blinded by fear to see what I was trying to do. They were brave enough to risk their lives to stop you from violating a treaty the Federation signed in good faith. That treaty has bound our hands and given the Romulans a tactical advantage for the last 60 years. I was simply trying to level the playing field. And now you want to try it again? How many people will die this time? 50? A hundred? A thousand? All right, you don't want to help me, fine. But you are still under my direct orders not to talk about what you know, and I expect you to follow those orders to the letter. I made you, mister, and I can break you just as easily. Do you understand me, Commander? I have some questions. Um, yes, he made him in a lab. Riker is an android. So that's what he means, right? He like cloned him, or he grew yeah, him. Yeah, that's cloned what he him, means. Grew him in a 
lab like next that's to his, a weird thing to drop to frog, casually into next like, to his frog. Oh, really? yeah. oh wait the frog is real oh <laughs> croaking <device. laughs> he, well, he didn't just make that something. up he didn't just make the frog thing up he had fish um, picard has fish uh, <laughs> pressman had frogs um geez i got so many things i don't know if i can remember all of them the basically okay let's, let's start here so Riker's main thing he sort of starts by saying, you killed these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That feels like that's him more saying, you pushed us into these dangerous experiments. Yeah. But really, his main point of decision here is you were forcing us to break the treaty. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not about the people dying, even though that sort of added insult to injury. Uh, he says you were saying you killed them, and it's like did he kill them? we don't the, know what happened. Ultimately, when he left. the larger thing, of course, yes, is the is the fact they were uh, duplicitously, or or what do you what would the word be? They were illegally, it's ser- surreptitiously creating a cloaking device or experimenting with a cloaking device, which the Federation had said that it would not do. Right. So the stuff about you killed them is is sort of a side trip. So that's why it gets a little bit muddy for me, This these points. So it's mostly about the treaty breaking. Um, it's like if they, if they, you know, you think about it like this. If yeah. this, if the Enterprise, you know, the Enterprise went to space dock and Starfleet Intelligence came to Picard and was like, we want to put this on the Enterprise. Right. What is it? It's a cloaking device that also phases matter. You'd be like, What? A cloaking device? We can't do that. No. Get it off my ship. Sir, right. we'll remove you from command. He's like, then remove me com- from command. Right. But we can't do that. So that's like the main thing. Have, yeah. do you, it, to your memory, have we seen anything else in, in Trek lore that's like, yeah, this is what the Federation's thing is. But as a Starfleet member, I'm being ordered to do this. And so I'm not going to do it. Well, yeah, well, and the, you'll you'll see. Actually, there's an episode coming up. Actually, the next episode it very much oh. has something to do with that. Oh, great! Um, and then my other question is: it's sort of an interesting treaty that's like it was made up you, for this episode. Was it? You can't have yeah. a cloaking device. That's our treaty. Is that we are agreed on that? One Even of the, the rock- one of the stipulations is yes, the Federation cannot develop cloaking technology. But the Romulans have cloaking technology. Yes. So I don't understand how that would be a point that they would both, that the Starfleet would agree to. Uh, for peace, I'm, which has lasted now for 80 years. I mean, certainly, you know, the history would prove it true, that it's accurate, but I just don't understand why you would come to, it's like coming to the table. I don't know. I guess there are nations that agree to not have nuclear, nuclear weapons. weapons, except yeah. that those are the ones that are that are sort of outgunned and the star starfleet doesn't seem like it's outgunned so i don't know why i would agree to it they don't need to be duplicitous starfleet can fucking just show up yeah you feel like they're powerful enough that they can scan us if you want bitches they can make that allowance that's probably what every ship is putting out (laughs) i guess i just find it odd but what are you gonna do i'll tell you what you're gonna do the right thing Andy. What's the right thing? What Picard does. Pressman to Enterprise. Two people and one piece of equipment. Disobeying orders. That's what Matt Myra thinks you should do. 
Yes, with larger implications. Yes. <laughs> Way to go, Pressman. You fucked us. The Romulans have destroyed the entrance to the chasm with their disruptors. He was very passive-aggressive about it. He said it was part of his gaseous anomalies thing. He apologized. <laughs> he did a really good job being passive-aggressive about that. There is an incoming message. It is from the oh, warbird. I'm sorry. Are you trapped in there? We I didn't see. realize you were there. Captain, you seem to be in a very unfortunate circumstance. How can we help? <laughs> Are you responsible for this? I'm not sure. We were conducting some geological experiments on the surface of the asteroid. It is entirely possible that we accidentally sealed you in. If only we had known you were beneath the surface, if you had shared your plans with us, this might have been avoided. What do you want, Cyril? I don't want anything, Captain, but I will offer to help you. How? By transporting your crew aboard my ship. We'll take you back to Romulus, where, after a short stay as our guests, you will be returned to the Federation. Thank you for your generous offer. I will take it under advisement. He's basically saying, we will take, be take hostages, our right? research yeah. in this system for a while longer. I await your decision. I wonder what kind of diplomatic situation that would have started. If we abandon the Enterprise, they'll come back here and get their hands on both ships. Agreed. Options, Captain. I believe we could use the phasers to cut our way out. The asteroid's internal structure is highly unstable. Any attempt to cut through the rock could cause the entire chasm to collapse. Captain, I have a suggestion. Want our shield hold? There's a piece of equipment in Admiral Pressman's quarters under guard that might get us out of here. Is this the croaking device again? <laughs> Will, this is not going <laughs> to help us. We don't have any frogs. <laughs> you just ended your career, Will. That's what it's about. A cloaking device. <laughs> Picard was also like, Will, you lied to me. Your career is over. They both developed cloaking time. technology. And that treaty is the biggest mistake we ever made. It's kept us from exploiting a vital area of defense. That treaty has kept us in peace for 60 years. Andy doesn't care officer, for it either. You're supposed to uphold it. Now that's enough. I'm taking command of this vessel. Mr. This Warf is a bonkers moment. Quarters. It's funny that he goes... I guess he goes to security, so that's why he has it. But uh, it's so interesting that Worf... I don't think any- it doesn't even flinch. Like, there's not even a moment of hesitation from Worf. And I would think Worf would be at least a little confused because it's such a hierarchical moment. Like, obviously, even though he has this loyalty to Picard. Uh, Are you talking about the most honorable man on that ship? He's honorable. The most honorable, loyal man on that ship? Loyalty is where the question comes in, but honor might dictate that you obey your superior officer. No, you have served with Picard for seven years. You've been through thick and thin with him. You're Uh a bad Klingon too, Andy. There's no place for you in the Federation. (laughs) Get out of here. <laughs> I've always said I'm more of a Romulan. Anyone's <laughs> going to come to your defense this time. How do we use the cloak to escape from the asteroid? It's more than just a cloak. It changes the structure of matter. In theory, a ship using this device could pass through normal matter. 
Seems like that's a more useful technology than even the cloak. Do you see the potential here? Of course it is, Ding Dong. Well, they're making a big deal about the cloak. Why don't they just fucking strip the cloak out of the device and make it so that you can pass through matter? But then you'd see me passing through matter, and that would be embarrassing. <laughs> the phasing cloak could be the greatest You're right, by the way, I don't know. ...in the last 50 years. Except that it's illegal. It's in violation of an agreement... I kind of feel like the they painted themselves into a corner faith. and then they added, well, what about if it also makes you go through matter? Oh, you had that whole thing, maybe had the cloak. <laughs> Captain, I think we could adapt the cloak for the Enterprise. Mr. Data. Theoretically, it is possible, sir. But it would take several hours to study the device and determine how to link it to our systems. Make it so. Captain's log, stardate 474-57.1. We have been trapped inside the asteroid for over eight hours. Mr. Data and Command LaForge inform me that they are nearly ready to engage the cloak. Commander. We've routed the impulse engines through the plasma conduits, but you're going to have to watch the intercooler levels. If they get too high, we'll blow the entire relay system. Understood. I think that's what happened 12 years ago. The cloak blew out the plasma relays on the Pegasus after we left the ship. The plasma ignited in space, and it looked as if the ship had been destroyed. So the ship drifted into this system still in a phased state, and when it passed through this asteroid... The cloak failed, and half of the ship materialized in solid rock. The forge to bridge. The cloak is online and ready to begin phase sequencing. Proceed, number one. Aye, sir. Activating power systems. Did it work? Are we invisible? I assume that would make it invulnerable, too, Report. the phasing ability. Yeah, I think it would. The ship's matter energy minimally, they would have should be sufficient a new to weapon pass through the asteroid. Take us out. Maneuvering thrusters only. Aye, sir. We will reach the rock face in five seconds. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Worf, what are you doing? There's a wall there! Whoa! Well, we're inside the rock! <laughs> it's a great dark ride. Motion ride. We have passed through two kilometers of the asteroid. Now within one kilometer of the surface. <laughs> Look at a smug uh, pressman looks. Well, he's just thrilled <laughs> that it finally works. Hmm. We're approaching the I surface. was right. All I needed was a Biff Yeager. <laughs> we have cleared the asteroid cap. Great asteroid effects in this the episode, is up by the way. They know have been done, to make but uh, I think not Disengage effective. the cloaking device, Commander. Looks like all this shit they that. made if for. The uh, cloaking, they'll they'll know the truth, Admiral. Which is what everyone duty. will know very shortly. Carry out my orders. The fire duty is to the truth. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> oh, I hope we didn't startle you, Ronald. The will be contacted shortly about this incident. Bye, sir. I don't. Admiral, it's not like there is an I'm element of like. By admitting this, they're giving huge political capital to the Romulans yes. to go like, no, but we admitted it. It's like, we don't know that you admitted it. You fucking, maybe something went wrong. Like, you you clearly broke our treaty. So, 
one. But ultimately, he's doing it for the right reasons and for the uh, higher morale ground. I get it. You don't care about the chain of command. I, I care about uh, you know <laughs> keeping your word. You know, just keeping your word. If you're, if you're like, "Hey, Roms, we're not going to do this," yeah, don't do it. Charging you with violation of the Treaty of Algeron. As captain of the Enterprise, I'm placing you under arrest, Mister Wolf. Admiral, this one I can do, me. Captain. I'll have to be placed under arrest as well. Admiral, I have a lot of friends at Starfleet Command, Captain. You're going to need them. Boothby, you gotta get me out of this. <laughs> How are you feeling after that injury you're in sick bay for? Oh, you're not gonna talk? Okay, bye. never seen that motion of give me the room i've spoken with fleet admiral shanthi there will be a full inquiry once we reach starbase 247 and that will probably lead to a general court martial of admiral pressman and several others at starfleet intelligence your involvement in this affair is going to be thoroughly investigated will there'll be some hard questions for you to answer i understand You made a mistake 12 years ago. How long ago, sir? But your service since then has earned you a great deal of respect, but this incident could cost you some of that respect. I can't help but feel that I should have come forward a long time ago. But when the moment came to make a decision, you made the right one. You chose to tell the truth and face the consequences. As long as you can still do that, then you deserve to wear that uniform. <laughs> you don't deserve so to wear that uniform, Get out of here. Toilet's no good. Come on. Captain Picard is freeing Riker. <laughs> Security. Firefight. No, wait. That's funny. How dare you shoot at me on Captain Picard Day? <laughs> it's my day. <laughs> Well, it's the NBC, yeah, the NBC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. It's Troy. <laughs> you did it, Troy. Congratulations. <laughs> Well earned. A primitive race. Whoa, that's the trailer for Sweet. next week. Uh, sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sounds like there's a primitive a race. Primitive well. race. <laughs> what if it's it's just, primitive it's race a, week. It's just a foot race. <laughs> <laughs> to run on their hands and knees. Who is the fastest engineer? Is it Barkley or LaForge? NBC. <laughs> um, <coughs> well, we know that uh, Picard kind of came up with the basis for the uh, idea of how to cloak themselves. Yes, it was known in the log, everyone. <laughs> Remember? Uh, I don't know. Was it Riker for finally coming out with the truth? 
Is it? Yes. Who, who came up with the? Because who came up with the idea of how to, how they could escape though. Oh, he he sort of does. He says Riker. that we could adapt it. Right. He's like, listen, Although, we, got, we got this thing in his quarters. Right. Although we'll it's Jordy and Data that really make the engineering happen. But uh, yeah, okay, it's Riker. Congratulations, Riker. You did it. Sorry, Picard. Maybe next time. Uh, or is it Pressman for nope. ret- retrieving <laughs> the device? That's, nope, we've moved on. We've moved on. <laughs> All right. Uh, how many Andes? I like this one week. a lot. I give it a solid uh, 7.5. It seems lowish. For Possibly an 8. Like. You're right. Yeah. It's an 8, everybody. I give it an 8. It's an 8. I give it an eight because when I first saw this episode twelve years ago, Andy, I how long? <laughs> twelve years ago, I remember watching this episode and uh, thinking, "Boy, what will it be like in twelve years? Will I be any different? <laughs> will I have a beard by then?" <laughs> Turns out, I do. Um, it's an eight. <laughs> I give it a seven point five. <laughs> That's so funny. No, uh, how, how what do I give it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I still feel like the, you know, granted everything's laid out, but but I feel like the the things that in play are a little bit muddy in terms of the treaty and the and um and the you know the chain of command and in, in terms of just like Federation versus Starfleet, and I think the issues that they raise are really interesting, but I, I don't know. There's something that like within how it's drawn of like Riker you made the wrong or right decision here I guess I would like a little bit more voice to we have these rules that we're following as the Federation and then we have these rules that are in the chain of command and one must figure out the moral decision and that's why I would prefer a a speech from Picard that's not as straight ahead this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing or minimally like it can be confusing to well, figure out was these, that because what's you right think and what's wrong. That it isn't. Are you just you you hiding, living in a gray area with this issue? I feel like I. I feel like the gray area is the there is no discussion about Federation versus Starfleet rules. Oh, um, I don't think you need that. That would be muddy. I think that would muddy things up. Why? Uh, wise too, because it's the same. The Federation is the Federation. Starfleet is just the the research and military branch of the Federation. Like what is? Yeah, it? well, the military branch of the Federation is well, you can't doing run something around dirty the, as the army, like violating the Constitution. You know what I mean? It's like you just do what you got to do, and then don't do the thing that you're not supposed to do. Uh huh. So, you know. In a morally black and white future that Star Trek seems to inhabit, yeah, it's pretty clear. If you say we're not going to do this, and you sign a treaty with a warring race of uh, of hostile aliens, you better keep to that yeah. treaty. What about? <laughs> I think. I think I'm about to support that theory. Yeah, it was exactly the same thing in the Enterprise episode with the uh, with the hidden Vulcan base. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, the same thing. Um, I think you have a problem with Star Trek morality. <laughs> I don't have a problem with Star Trek morality. I just want it well drawn. No, I think you have a problem like fully grasping the concept because you live in a world where your Doctor Doom is your favorite character, <laughs> and you really love Shelby. It's like okay, Shelby was trying to protect everyone from the board. Get out of here! And with you your were Shelby. getting in her way. Get out of here. Um. All right. Well, whatever the case, I give it a seven point five, <laughs> just to spite you. <laughs> Fine. Let's watch the trailer for next week. Fine. Hmm. Whoops. A primitive race. We have the power to save some of them. Doomed to uh. destruction. We are sworn to uphold the principle of the Prime Directive. Until Worf's foster brother violates the Federation's highest law. You have left us with a colony of Baralans who think they're still on their own planet. Now, will two brothers clash to preserve a fragile culture's future? I cannot allow you to remain here. You'll have to kill me first. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Whoa. Interesting. Yep. Paul Servino is, is Worf's brother. I think you may have seen this episode for some reason. Probably because you were doing that. Remember you did that uh, Servino-thon? That's <laughs> true. Uh, oh, please uh, check into my Servino cast. Uh, Remember when Andy was on Twitch for 19 days watching all of Mira and Paul Servino's work? <laughs> um, all right. That's what's up next week. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you all are, too. All right, Andy. Can we muster it? Can we muster it? We we might as well. All right, let's go back. The United Federation of Planets President Circle. Hi, everyone. We're here in the United Federation of Planets President Circle. And uh, it's time to say thank you to all of you beautiful President Circle members who have taken the time to take more of your time and spend it with us via extra podcasts, etc. It's November. It's the November to Remember Sales event. Uh, No, wait. It's December. And it's that's a December oh, to remember. It's no longer November. Now it's Decenterprise. <laughs> it's Decenterprise or something. <laughs> what was the other one? Oh, Jordy December. Yeah. Which I think it should be Jordy Le February. But anyway. Got some Christmas music going here. Oh, I love it. Andy, do you have your list in front of you? I don't. You never sent it to me. It's in the Dropbox. Oh, it's in the drop blocks. You 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 will find it under November Patreon. And uh, remember this list starts with the third fourth name on here, Chris Hudson. Is number 1. Feel free, jump in. So thank you to Chris Hudson, Sophia Thorson, Andy Tubbs, Chief Engineer of Mac and Cheese, Tim Nor, Michael Rosenstein or Stein, Nancy Cotteray. Kotari, 
Probably that. Drusilla Bonneth. Jess Yotis. Mark T. Sky Gray. Cameron Carlson. One of the Paris and Janeway Salamander Babies. Good to hear from the Salamander Babies of Janeway and Paris. <laughs> Jamie Rockwell. <laughs> Mike's on Bikes. Nikki Van Benthison. Lisa Glidden. Uh, Reditus. Joe. Smackos. 309. Destaween Salazar. The president of Riza. Oh, thanks for joining us here. We're honored to have you, sir. Or madam. Or them. Uh, Kono, thank you. Kyle S. Huisman. You're skipping ones. I did? Who did I skip? I don't know. Oh, these are lieutenants, but mine has everything. Oh, I'm reading lieutenants because I pulled up the full... No. No, I'm saying you are skipping the appropriate ones, and mine has everybody. No, yours doesn't, because Andy just opened up the second one that's called November Patreon. No, Patreon. Remember Uh, I said that's what it was? November is the one that I'm looking at, right? November Patreon? Nov, N-O-V. Got it. Doesn't say November. No, right. Oh, my gosh. Andy, you scared me half to death. Okay. Now, (laughs) wherever I was, who knows? Jennifer Paz, (laughs) Kyle S. Hoisman, yes. Stephen Lolano, thank you. Elliot Kingdon, thank you. Robbie Battle, David Anthony Nichols, Elizabeth Anastasi, Chris Gomez, Callista Stuffin. Sure. Anthony Thomas Anderson, thank you. Daniel Rutledge, thank you. Lauren D. Bootsy Frost. Mike V. Redshirt Punk. Teristani. No. Teresa Tini? That's probably it. <laughs> Michael Park. Michael Parks Duncan. 1701. Aaron. Trent Rao. Tobias Hughes Brown. Tom No Longer in Canada. Kevin Quen. Lieutenant Jared Matthews. Britt Harrington. Kevin. Tom Zira. Kathy Wagner. Jason Schoolcraft. Carter Parent. Lee Dickerson. Tim King, Dan Cannon, James Galbraith, Drew Taylor, Nal McCann, Phil Christmas Ronan Dude Johnson, Ral Goodall, S.D.F. Prowler, Ben Miller, Thomas Evans, Nicholas Lindner, Sean Bauman, John Eckley, Kevin Helm, Ephraim, Morgan, and Les on the Ocean, John Poindexter. Thank you to Lieutenant Jeremy, to Jeff, Jeffrey Jakes, Callum Cressy, Timpk, Micho, and Miriam at Quark's. Quark is Latinum Gold Pressed. Robert Mashburn, B-Matt, Francois, Suzanne Wilson, Lieutenant Evan Smith, Lieutenant Philip Lately. Thank you to Ellis Merritt, to Michael Murphy. Thank you to Andrew D. Meyer, uh, William Noel. Uh, Monsieur Hops. Thank you to Kevin Smith. Thank you to I am Wes, and I will never shut up. Good for you, Wes. Uh, Elliot Kingdon, David Chaffetz, Rich Christensen, Christian, Kristen Bracken, Rachel, Rachel Kelly, Rachel Waltemeyer, Lieutenant Moreland, Jarleth McGrab. Oh, Jesus, Stefan. Jarleth McGrab. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Ten forward gamma shift shift manager. Uh, Thomas Bowater. Jacob Parikh. Candace Homan Arnon. 
William Black, Ian Clark, Jeffrey Coffin, Jeffrey Jennifer. <laughs> Late guys, Jennifer Koffenberger, Lauren the Alorian is down on the planet getting weird. Berman, Berman, Braga, Berman, Berman, Braga, Braga. Uh, Dominic Zapita, Victor Romero, Joey Trashbags, L like you but five better. Mladen from Michigan, Vince Butler, Matthew Bits, Chicago Joe, Andrew <laughs> French, Christopher Chris Christopherson, uh, Bonnie Latrell. Kyle White, thank you to Christy, thank you to Jonathan Munoz, Munoz, Dan Ryan, Martin Thomas Couture, Jennifer Cable, Laura Kincaid, Brad Harris, thank you to John Douglas Forrest, thank you to Lainsa. Jeffrey's hologram was ripped out by the first officer's first officer for continuity's sake. This is Jeffrey's communique via view screen. Uh, please, yeah, it was cut off. It was cut off. I think you wrote too many words. Lieutenant John, Lieutenant John Dews, uh, Lieutenant Angel Cruz, Nathan Sweat, Christina Saad, Martha, Kit Gates, thank you to Keats, thank you to Christopher L. Mitchell, thank you to Lieutenant Benjamin Simcoe, John Macy, Maddie H., Rob Wisdom, John Matthews, Matthew Holmes, Mr. The Ultimate Trekker, Captain Cybertrini, his combat John is brown coat, Batlison, Batlison Hand, and Chris Knight unsheathed. A lot of different franchises there. Uh, Miss J, MST3, Katie, and Archer Palms, a.k.a. Vertiginousness. Yes, and thank you to Maddie Chappie, Jane Lindgren, Zach Engberg, Natasha Harrison, Husker, Danny B, Patrick, Daniel Weiss, Lord Daniel Bond, Rachel Amber Bloom, a Klingon woman wielding a Mechleth, Isaac Boatset, Joel Ahrens, Samantha Navarro, Alexander Markowitz, Mad Seb, Walter, Jeff McGregor, Mike Bunackley, Flying Octopus of the Northwest, Quinn Q, The Mediocre and Average Doug, Jenkman91, Jason Leach, Ambassador James Holloway with Diplomatic Immunity, Sean, Adam Ringland, Roberto, Kevin S. Brooks, Adam R. Murray, I, the Cat with a K, Shelly, Queen of the Shellyak, Vassal, Vassal, Jeffrey Maddox, Cabro, Michael Parsons, Jess, friend of Darna. Sorry, Star Trek, it's for the Dugongs and Sea Dragons podcast. Grace Ellen Meixner, Brandman F, Charlie, Thomas McGowan, Jack Diamond, John Waggy, Team Pigeon Double Take. You're correct, John. Todd Harmon, Garrett Avalar, Heather Knight, Joran Severine. Megan Brady Wright, Matt Snyder, Scott Farley, Heath Korshgan, Gregory Darian, Duncan Delp, Michael Matina, Daniel Heron, Robert, <laughs> Roberta Cat, Lawrence M.W., Sean Cameron, Andy Benton, Zach Smith, Seamus O'Toole, Darbuck, and Jerry at the coffee shop, Patrick Reese, Eric Peoples, Jonah, Brulette, David K., Jonathan Feller, Beth Baldwin, Nick Lenchner, David Veenstra, DJ, TJ Hooker, and the Chat Tones, John King, Robert James Perry, Tom Bondurant, Kelly Sweeney, and Michael Rossi. Thank you. Thank you to David Pinson, Stephanie Dyerson, Elizabeth. Thank you to Carrick Jones, Parker Davidson, Zach McCullough, Tanner Wilson, Noah Sudret, uh, Lieutenant Commander John Zates, uh, Brett LeBlonde, Sean Lyons, Beep Boop, Boop Beep. Carolyn McNamara, James McLaughlin, McLaughlin, uh, Lieutenant Hayden, to Lieutenant Justine Adamek, Rose Harless, Craig Little, thank you to Daniel Brown, Kevin Polly, 
Ivan Bemshot, Stephanie Simmons, Adrian Kopp. Thank you to Kenny Meehan, Matt Fader. Listen to the Adventure Soundtrack whenever you stream music. Thank you to Hampus the Ender, Trez, Trevor Kozdrowski, Sam Pass, James Mainero, Chris Yates, Paul Magnus Calabro, Kobaya Shimaru. Thank you to Debbie Lemon, Mark Asiri, Patrick, Steve Haas, Bob Blair, Catherine Gertner, David, Michael Collins, Matthew M. Columbus, Joe Lenzen, Sente Mastriana, to Jeff Caramaza, to Amy Gibbs, a.k.a. Cue the Lights, Chuck Credo, Laura Palmer, Blanford, Philip Hanshai, Candy Lineup, Michael Shade, Brian Strometz, Mark Brueger, Corey Culbert, Jiminy Jillikers, Feldybump, Bill and Ted Minute, thank you to Cedron Law, Ed Mundy, uh, Miguel A. Moretta, Mikey Melton, Winston Stauffer, Jim Callinan, sorry, stuff for some reason. Pat E, Grant McGuire, Daniel Permit, Adam Sullins, thank you to Nick G, thank you to Molly Murphy White, thank you to Beth Clark, Jelly Julio, Great and Terrible Lizek. Uh, Jeffrey Barker, Adrian Bing Clark, and two, Josh Moore. Thank you to Roberto, Gwendolyn Williams, Christopher Montoya, John G, Cedric Clark, Nurse Ogawa's fifth line. Cue the music. I got it, finally. I cued nice. it. Lucas Swain, Jay from ScienceDiv.com, The Dribble People, Sarah Friedman, Julie Cousins. Rob, Michael Fairbanks, Delphi Blues, Elizabeth Story, David Flo- Fiola, Richard Phillips, Dana L. McCabe, Todd Meyer, Igsha, Andrew McClure, JJ and Jessa Tanagra, The Pizza Good, Jonathan Misner, Denise Kupferschmidt, Dylan Ekmalian, Jeff Weiner, Judge 3439, Noah Smith, Andy, the astrophysicist, Darren Gleaton, uh... Edward Andres Acevedo, Mark Redenius, Daniel St. Louis, Melody, the one in Australia, Kieran O'Sullivan, Joey Jerry Brown, Joel Greenbow, and the Cham Chamberlain, Kellen Adamson, Sully and Cash, uh, Rutger Hauer, Tim Shields, Scott Watson, Amber Schmidt, Tom Hagopian, John Lynn, Kvart on Facebook and Instagram, The Dude Never Bowls, Bad Chef Pizza, Jacob Reichard, uh, Zach Crum, Erica Vanover, Commodore 64, Stuart Allison, story by Rick Berman and Brenda Braga. Surprise, a werewolf has COVID. Oh, sorry, despite being fully vaccinated. A nice breakthrough case. I hope it's not too bad for you. Hey, <laughs> yeah, David Landau, Joe Moore, Tim Collins, Thomas Nettleton, Brian Rowinkle. Uh, made up word we know. <laughs> made up word, word we know. Uh, Daryl, the animal Noi, Catherine, Jeff, the human Maximus, the dog. How long could a name, profile name be? This is long. Wow, longer than I expected. Good lord. The letter is Secunda. Jesse Elliott, Tim Glover, Nick, Dan Billing, Chris Lopez, Capero, Lance Daniel Hepper, Jonathan Sourshell, Jonathan Leader, J, uh, sorry, Lieutenant JM, Ted Marth, and Joe Blow. Thank you also. We're going to have to uh, I'm gonna figure this out at up. some point. I'm gonna have to put put that poll up tonight. We really, uh, we really, I think it's uh, now at this point. Your 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 support is embarrassing. How long it is? We're so thankful to everybody, but uh, now this is uh, becoming untenable. Nonetheless, Dan Stucco, thank you. Mike Roberts, Cody Stanley, Stephen Cotter, Andrew Brenneman, Don the Don Donson. I guess my question is: once we say your name once, right? 
do you care? If you do, that's okay. Let us know. If you don't, yeah. then then great. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe we have a special thing for people who are, you know, who like it's like really important. Maybe they make a request. Sure. We were thinking we would just thank the uh, the new people, but we'll put up a poll on Patreon and you guys can sound well, off. The new people really can't vote. To. Uh, well, they can if they join. <laughs> uh, um, Jorgen Peterson, Jeffrey Child, Lieutenant Rob Baptiste. You know, what, is, you, you yeah. know what we do on the old uh, Excellent Adventure is we break them up over many episodes. But because we've gotten into this bad habit of only recording so rarely, we have to do them all in one burst. Right. Although we're now, we are recording it more. But I don't know if it's... I think at a certain point you were arguing that it's less painful to hear it all at once. Not that it's painful. I mean, it's a delight. Uh, but... <laughs> So you, you wanted to just like sort of someone, get it all done as someone once. who has been now awake for 20 hours. Yes, you want more names. I want more <laughs> names. Biff Yeager is my spirit animal. Zach McGrath, Kyle Robertson, John Turin, Alex D. Gesslin. Thank you to Joyce Hudson. Thank you to Carmen DeHoog. Thank you to Eric B. Stephen McVicker. Aaron. Thank you to William Timmon, Adrian Carter, Marcus Erlinson. Rob Cumberland, Lieutenant Andrew Reeves, Lieutenant Matthew Dillon, Lieutenant Matthew Smith, Lieutenant Matthew Cutler, JC Shaggy, Ugly Bag of Mostly Water, Matt Sheffer, Jeff Millies, Risa Kochuk, uh, Simon Harper, Ryan Solo, Seth Olson, Lucas, Daniel Stenrud, Knowledge Fight is the best podcast about Alex Jones. Opening arguments is a close second. Good to know. I don't know what that is. Who's Alex Jones? Is he the crazy Infowar guys? No, oh, great. Sofa great. King, cool. Matt Wipert, Chris Leopold, Chris DQ, ruler of the far flung regions, master of the good verse bad pizza, holder of the sacred chalice of Jalex, Marcello Vita, the specific actor trainee, is holding an IP scanner. Joe Sullivan, Jeff Jenkins, Wabash Kozak, Peter Shern, Jeremy. Kip Corbett, CD, Seth J. Boudreaux, Andrew Polkrang, Aaron uh, N., winner of uh, October, Joe Moran, a.k.a. Nomad's Muscles Ripley, Stalwarts, Stalwart Neelix Defender, currently adrift in space, Mike LeBan, Scott Bradley, this is my Patreon username, many are like it, but this one is mine. Yeah. Uh... Dick Warlock, Esquire, Richard Wilkinson. Thank you to Alex Carrico. Mariah's lilting tones in the background. Andrew Barber, Joel Cude, Jason Brown, Ben Badenock. Secret Hail, why aren't more people secret hailing? You get twice as many hails. Gary Martinez, CC Sadler, Lieutenant Commander Zach Wilson, Tim Siebel, Becca Shoemaker. Gareth Case, Lieutenant Jet Jurgens, thank you to Jesse Hendricks, thank you to Derek Hawkins, thank you to Robert Denton. All right, let's see what we can do here. Claire Powell's, Eric Mom, the Interrupted Tales Podcast, Raymond, Dave Howe, Kathleen Guzman, Christopher P. Gill, a.k.a. the Chairman of the Borg, Carl DeArth, Kristen Scalisi, the Goddess of Carbs, Amanda Bootwell, Adam Rogers, Barry Wallace, Hendiza Kunde, uh, that's Andy Secunda, I did it. Dan McLeod, Alex Borsier, a picture of Matt Tween still holding a resume. So, job seekers market, Matuine, get out there. Kurt Kelly, Keith Bodela, Kim Vilsack, Brett Parsons, Katie Campbell, Jerry Canavan, Heisenberg Overcompensator, Fred Coppersmith, Vanilla Thunder, Ryan, not a doctor, but still willing to accept the position. Doom, 
Catface, Emily Eldred, C. Edwards, Kevin Cortacus, Ross McLeod of the Clan McLeod. There can be only one. Nate Richmond, <laughs> Paul Brisk, Jillian Randalls, Blake Petit, Robert Olson, the Kembles, Andrew Witzel, Mary Mack, Derek Westover, Lizzie D, Tony Rido, Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast, Will Holesclaw, Jeff Needs a Pizza too. Uh, Tyler Rosewood, Joe Fermanick, Jason Sinclair, Lisa Gomez, Stephen Marie Nickel, Mallory Duke, Alan L., I'm Jason Quayle, and you're not. Mark Mitchell, Sir Reginald Pennybottom, Steve Harcourt, Katie, Get the Cheese to Sick Bay Whitestone, Paul Sharp, Catherine Simmons, Christopher Colbert, Eric Rumfelt, Andrew Ingram, Chad Fate, Matt Weber, Andrew Gibson, Jason Werrand, Tish Wheeler, Daniel Perez, Matt Burke, Kevin Brown, Ben Roach, William Smith, Mike Webster, The Squire of Gothos, Thomas Peering, and Brian Adams. Thank you. And thank you, last page folks, Paul Carley, Kelly Coe, Queen Elizabeth of the House of Simpson, Scott Austin, Anders, just another member of this dangerous, savage, child race, Peterson, and and Samson, uh, thank you to Lieutenant Claudia, thank you to, I can't believe I spent my entire lunch hour listening to Matt and Andy read names, and I still missed mine, the beauty of it is I will again, oh yeah, it's Brian Helm. <laughs> Good old Brian Helm, Lieutenant Brian Helm. Thank Brian, you, my friend. I hope you listen to this time. I hope you're having a nice lunch. Karen Van Off, Veronica Wisely, Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray, Mike Jones, Scott Burnett, Brett Euler, Stephen Small, Dean Nettleton, Lieutenant Christopher Finagy, Sandra M., Mike Gaylord, Ron LeBlanc, Jeremy Miller, James Baker. Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker, Frederick Rois, Lieutenant Jonathan, Lieutenant Martin Hedegard peterson Jan Leppert. Thank you to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the best Halloween candy. Lisa McLisa. Neil Studd, Karen Land, Amanda Schramm, DW, Whiskey Ben 77, Chris Nedgewitz, Captain Crandall, hmm. uh, Linnea Wynn, uh, Shark Carbuncle, Lieutenant Commander Mike Mann, Brian McDonald, Chris Love, Ian Buckley, Tim Cullen, Heidi Dugan, Tony King, Luke Morgan Rowe, Scott Lieberman. Thank you to Lieutenant Alexander Perry, Diane M. Martin, Robin Larson, Katya Woolishin. Thank you to Chad Mathis. Thank you to Simon. Thank you to one of 13 Subjunction Jeff. Thank you to Kelly Newman. And most, but not least, last <laughs> but not least, most, but... Most, most of all, most names in front of him, but not least, <laughs> our old friend, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison. This must be chronological. It is indeed. Thank you all very, very much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful couple of weeks in December. Uh, expect to hear from us probably the third week of December because I have a very, very busy couple of weeks coming up. But we're going to get it all out. Don't you worry. Right, this guy's going to be a direct in a couple of episodes of Goldberg, so keep an eye out for it. Director extraordinaire, Andy S- Handy Secundes. How, how, we'll how both be network it? directors after this. And probably never do anything else in their lives. But at least we'll have that one shining moment, Matt. There we go. At least in the obituary, it'll say sometimes director. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Winner of no directing awards, <laughs> Matt Meyer has survived. We beamed out. You couldn't hear it over the music. Disengage? <laughs> Hang on. Let me let me bring that up for you so you can hear it. This in Merry Holidays. <laughs>